And good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, or good evening, or the crack of dawn to you, as we used to say. Welcome to another edition of The Other Side of Midnight, that magical time between dusk and dawn, where tonight we're going to wander down the Martian Pink Road. Oh, do we have a story to tell you. In fact, we have a whole bunch of stories, and what I think I'm going to do, as we would normally do if we have callers, and what we'll do is we'll mix callers in with what I'm planning, but we have received, since I was on coast, uh, was, it, was it just last week? Seems like a long time ago. Um, I was on Thursday the 16th, whatever date that is. We received a ton of mail, and I don't mean the kind in the old-fashioned U.S. post bags. I mean the electronic kind. And I frankly have not had a chance to do more than kind of skim uh, some of them. And they, they're fascinating responses. It's amazing what people unfettered by, you know, corporate ties, contracts, government non-disclosures, whatever is keeping the NASA folks all super, super silent on the most astonishing discovery in the, you know, discovering the history of humankind that doesn't apply to our listeners and we have a lot of new people who of course have come over from uh, hearing me with George the other night and there of course is that very strange kind of background story that frankly I still haven't quite got an answer to um, why were we suddenly kicked off the air for 19.5 minutes on the largest clear channel radio station in the California area, Southern California, uh, KFI, 19.5 minutes. Now, how do I know that? Because I had two reputable observers who both independently said, well, it was a little short of 20 minutes. I mean, come on, come on. What I have not been able to find out is who did it and why and who was the message, because I think, you know, it was very McLuhan-esque, The medium is the message. Well, somebody cut off one of our key, and I say our because I was on the Premier Network that night, our affiliates for 19.5 minutes in L.A. Now, I have some suspicions, but um, they are only that. I have zero evidence, and I've, I've kind of tried, and I so far have no firm answers. But the gestalt, the trend curve of where things are going are that some folks inside, I think, are getting nervous. Why would they be getting nervous? Because a half-century-old cover-up, if I'm reading the political tea leaves correctly, is about to come to an end. And we have some clues that if we have time, I'll I'll hopefully be able to um, uh, support in the the third hour. I don't want to kind of divert our conversation until the appropriate time. So let me start with, as we start with every show, uh, the news. We're going to start tonight with uh, the fact that we are about to, fasten your seatbelts, we are about to return big time to the moon. On Monday, which is the 27th, June 27th, there is a um, launch, an unmanned rocket launch from New Zealand, the so-called Capstone Mission. This is an unmanned spacecraft being sent to the moon, part of the Artemis program, to basically begin new photography 
with contemporary, extraordinary high-end digital um, imaging techniques in preparation for Artemis, which will emplace a basically a space station around the moon as part of the plan called Gateway. What an interesting concept, Gateway. Because the moon is not just a gateway to the solar system, to Mars, to wherever we're going to go beyond. It's also a gateway to a whole new radical for 99.99% of humanity way of looking at themselves, the universe, and where we came from. Because as you know, and I know, and an awful lot of people are soon going to know, there is stuff on the moon, incredibly wondrous, incredibly ancient, incredibly extraterrestrial stuff. And the real mystery is going to be how are the powers that be, particularly in that, how are they going to, how are they going to unveil this in what form? Well, the capstone mission is the beginning of a process to be followed um, in a few weeks, sometime in August, by the unmanned launch of the first all-up Artemis rocket and Orion spacecraft system itself, sometime probably around mid to maybe late August. Now, that all depends on the results of this countdown demonstration test. So if you go to the first link, if you're new to the show, let me tell you where to go. Um, don't you love that? Let me tell you where to go. Um, you go to the other side of midnight.com. That's our website. Click on that banner tonight, which says very provocatively, and you know I love to be provocative, particularly when we've got the goods. Well, we've got the goods. So click on the banner, which says follow the Martian Pink Road. That will take you to the guest page. And right under that banner on the guest page, you will see a um, item which says uh, fast links. My name, Ron Gerbron, uh, Keith Morgan, and Ruggiero, all the way from uh, the sunny Isle of England this morning. It's a little bit early there, so he's going to be joining us in the second hour. Anyway, click on that link. Click on my name. That will take you to the uh, radio with pictures items in my section of the guest page tonight. So item number one is this link directly to the Artemis blog on the NASA headquarters website. And item number two, as we've been doing now ever since last Christmas, we are about to be regaled by the most breathtaking, amazing, literally never before seen images from the extraordinary and extraordinarily successful so far web space tonight in a halo orbit about a million miles behind the Earth away from the sun. They are still conditioning and uh, cataloging the status of the various instruments. There's a very interesting background piece there on the website. Um, Webb's near spec requires multiple targets. This is uh, one of the very complex instruments on, on board. And if you click on that, you'll find explanation of all that they're doing and as much technical detail as you want to drill down. So be my guest. Item number three. Now, we were not on the air last night, obviously, or early this morning, obviously. But 
if you look at item number three right now in the sky, if you get up uh, really early in the northern hemisphere, um, primarily in the northern hemisphere, or if you're listening to our show, you just hang around and stay up really late. If you're on the East Coast, it'll be ending 3 a.m. Well, around 3.30, 4 o'clock, uh, you want to look to the east, um, and there are going to be this extraordinary array of planets all in order from the sun. Mercury, Venus, um, Uranus inter, inter, intervenes there. Then Mars, Jupiter, Neptune, and Saturn. This is as they're projected looking out from the inner solar system. Oh, you can also, uh, well, let me do this. You will not see the moon, the crescent moon. That was only visible yesterday morning on the 24th. And it moves 13 degrees per day, so it's not in the shot anymore. But here's an added bonus. If you look carefully, you'll actually be able to see the other missing planet, Earth. And, of course, when we open the lines on the third hour, you're going to tell me, come on, Hovind, you can't see Earth by looking at the sky. Well, actually, mm, you can, like that great line in Independence Day. Well, Mr. President, not exactly. So we'll leave it to the listener to figure it out. And whoever comes up with the right answer in the third hour, we will put you on the air. Item number four. We are undergoing an extraordinary societal revolution. I mean, I don't know whether you've noticed, but everything is hitting the brick wall at once. And the most shocking and the most, um, shall we say, penetrating and all-encompassing of these paradigm shift cataclysmic developments was the Supreme Court yesterday overturning Roe versus Wade. Now, I'm not going to get into a whole abortion and you know, conversation, and I frankly, except in the context I'm about to bring up, may never do it because it isn't really tailor-made for the, for the uh, uh, interests of most of the listeners of this show. However, since about half of them, and our numbers are very good, are women, they're obviously really interested. So let me lay uh, briefly, and we'll, we will expand on it when we have her back on in the next couple of weeks, uh, Georgia Lambert and I talked this afternoon. You know who Georgia is. She's our kind of resident metaphysician. She worked with uh, Manley Hall in Los Angeles at the Institute for over 10 years. And she, you know, has a client list that will not quit. And she has some very interesting perspectives on a whole variety of, of uh, subjects that our research has kind of opened the door did you like that? Open the door. Remember the door on Mars that we talked about last week? Anyway, so we were talking this afternoon, and she laid a really amazing idea on me. She said, what if, given the constraints of the Congress, of the House, the Senate, the filibuster, the extreme limitations of the executive in doing anything really by executive order, the fact that this is now all reverting to the state's that there were something like 19 states that either have or are about to pass what they call trigger laws, where they make it impossible for a woman or even a young girl who was raped or otherwise, you know, brutally attacked uh, to get any kind of help, um, even under risk of death, 
you know, rape, incense, all that doesn't matter. Anyway, so Georgia came up with a really intriguing idea. I don't know whether everybody is aware of this. I was, but then I was pursuing this some years ago in a totally different context. But we are surrounded in the United States within the borders of the United States with, and I don't know the number offhand, X number of sovereign independent nations, the Indian nations. That's why we have treaties, government to government, between the United States and the Sioux or the Delaware or the Navajo or the Hopi or whatever, because they are, as per treaty agreements in the 18th and 19th centuries, they are literally nations within the border of this nation. So they, they enjoy, if that's an appropriate term, a legally independent sovereign status within the boundaries of the United States of America. So George's idea, and I had looked at this earlier many, many years ago as a way of creating and bringing forth some of these forbidden technologies that the big guys in government and the deep state have been relentlessly and ruthlessly suppressing for the last you know, 50, 60, 70 years. Her idea was, what if this administration were to, I'm going to use a term here that's kind of appropriate, open hailing frequencies on behalf of women who have now been disenfranchised. Half of the American citizenry has been disenfranchised and no longer are free citizens of the United States. Half of us. The way to restore those rights is that for those seeking abortions to establish abortion medical facilities and clinics and any other healthcare um, part of the uh, infrastructure required on Native American sovereign pueblos and reservations. And no one, no state, no governor, no legislature, no Congress, no Senate can abrogate the treaty arrangements between the United States of America and these independent sovereign Indian First Peoples nations within our border. It would do several things. I mean, Native Americans revere women. Just go and look at any of their histories, any of their, you know, like the Iroquois. Look at where we drew basically a huge part of the Constitution. There are extraordinary rights enshrined in Native American tradition. And I know that's a big surprise to a lot of people, but there are. They are treated as equals. And certainly when the first white colonists came over here, they were shocked to see that the women had an equal voice in, you know, uh, powwows and, and uh, conclaves and all that with men. What if Planned Parenthood, and there's another large uh, uh, medical health care provider, I'm, I'm having, you know, flashbacks now to Robin, healthfreedomrights.com. She should be here doing this, not me. Anyway, there are there are rights that are that cannot be abrogated by the you know the will of a few very weird white guys sitting in a big marble building in Washington, light years out of touch with the American people, let alone the actual process of life on Earth. If someone was to make an entree, and I plan to do it 
Next week, I literally have been dealing with an attorney on the energy side, so I have an open door to open handling frequencies on this matter as well, to explore the idea that organized associations for women, for women's health care, if they could establish their facilities on Native American land, there's not a damn thing that the politicians can do to touch them. The only, you know, functioning law would be by the legal authority of the various tribes, the various pueblos, the various reservations. I mean, you know, pilot program, one or two, see how it works. The point is there are always, if you try hard enough, potential workarounds to an intractable problem. And this would do several things. It would, it would lionize the Native American community as standing fundamentally, archetypally, for the equality of men and women, the great spirit. We are all equal under the great spirit and the law. And number two, it could provide an extraordinary and desperately needed source of income for the local tribes and the local Native American governments and not gambling but something that basically was life-affirming and, and appreciated the fact that women are one half of the human species and deserve sovereignty over their own lives. Okay, um, we will get back to this. I'll kind of give you an update as, uh, as I, my kind of exploration of this idea unfolds. But to me, it's a brilliant, genius-level concept it's something that the executive branch of the United States, i.e. this administration, i.e. the president, can initiate without one word further from Congress because of the existing law, of existing treaties. It's basically a diplomatic mission. You know, we have diplom diplomats now returned to you know, Kiev. We've got diplomats even now in the Soviet Union slash Russia slash Putin's Russia. Why could we not open hailing frequencies with Native Americans when the United States of America is in such desperate trouble tonight? Item number five. Um, I was on coast, as I said uh, a little while ago, last week on the 16th. And by a extraordinarily curious coincidence that was the same night or actually afternoon that the perseverance rover took a high resolution mass cam image of a collection of objects on a nearby uh, cliff which looked so provocative that the night after i'm sorry the morning after i'd been on coast which was thursday night friday morning on friday morning in the Miami Herald, that's item number five, there appeared a story. NASA discovers mysterious ballast rock on Mars, igniting debate over how it happened. And everybody was off to the races. Well, the more we dug into this, and that's going to be a significant portion of tonight's show, the most extraordinary thing happened. We discovered that there is far more to that collection of objects on that knoll a few feet away, a few, maybe 100, 200 feet away from the Perseverance rover, as you're going to see shortly, than just a, quote, balanced rock, which it turns out 
is not a balanced rock. It's something even more. So definitely stay tuned for that. Item number six. As all of this ferment around um, the Pentagon establishing a formal office to investigate UAPs slash UFOs and the announcement of NASA suddenly deciding, oh, we want to get a piece of that action. So they're opening up a scientific review committee to look at case studies and uh, observations from satellites or wherever of UAPs slash UFOs. And the Russians chiming in, suddenly saying, well, our guys have seen UFOs. And then uh, uh, D- Dmitry Rogozian, who's the head of the Russian space program, coming out the other day and actually saying, well, we could just be kind of an experiment by aliens, like, you know, bacteria under a microscope. Well, Dmitry, that's very comforting. Well, in the midst of all this, uh, China very curiously announced over Twitter, based on apparent research by this extraordinary large radio dish, the 500-meter aperture spherical radio telescope, uh, acronym FAST, F-A-S-T, 500 meters. Well, you know, three times five. It's 1,500 feet in diameter. There's a picture of it there uh, at item number four. Anyway, while the Pentagon is talking about <clears throat> UFOs, meaning there's guys running around in spaceships, maybe, and the Russians are chiming in, and NASA says they want to uh, want to open a study of the phenomenon, totally separately, of course, and just coincidentally, but, you know, it, it's kind of interesting, and we're... Uh, give me a break. Suddenly... Out of nowhere, the Chinese say this. The fast Chinese radio telescope has found several possible technical traces and suspected signals of extraterrestrial civilizations, said the research team from Beijing Normal University, which is further exploring the information. And we've gone looking. Boy, have we gone looking we could find nothing further. Now, what I said um, last week still holds. Don't you find it weird that suddenly Western governments are racing to embrace this UAP, maybe ET spacecraft running around Earth's atmosphere slash UFO phenomenon? And out of the blue, China, which of course is one of the three major governments, well, maybe four, if you count the EU, on planet Earth right now, it says, oh, it's found signals from extraterrestrial civilizations, maybe, and nobody says a word. I mean, Washington is totally tied up in the hearings, and then this week, on Friday, yesterday, suddenly it got totally tied up with another incredible news story, um, the Supreme Court overturning of Roe. And there's all the usual stuff going on all over the world. Oh, yeah, there's that thing going on in Ukraine and Putin threatening more nuclear attacks and world wars. In other words, we've kind of got our plate full. And yet, I find it stunning that a major government on this planet 
which is mentioned in connection with Ukraine all the time because of the you know relevance to uh, Taiwan. Nobody has picked up on the story or done any follow-up or pick up a phone or sent a tweet or tried to find out through text. Nothing about the Chinese claiming we found several possible traces of suspected signals from extraterrestrial civilizations. I mean, come on. So what I have done is to give one of our stalwart crewmen a... um, a, a mission. I basically asked Robert Morningstar, who amongst all of us is fluent in, I believe it's Mandarin, which is the predominant uh, uh, variant language of China. And so he has been combing through Weibo and other obscure Chinese internet links to find, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. And um, if he has something to contribute, we're going to bring him on a little later in the show. I also would like him to be part of what I call a, a jury, meaning that we're going to talk about some of these images, and I'm going to ask him with no background to look at them and render his opinion. Now, next week, um, Tim uh, Saunders, remember our marine uh, nautical architect, is going to be with us. He hasn't been on the other side uh, of midnight for a very long time. He's very busy building a very large yacht for some, I don't know, mega millionaire. That's the folks that can afford them. And you go where the work is. So he's really been flat out. But he will have had time in the next week to take some of the data that we're going to talk about tonight, put it into a numerical, three-dimensional, trigonometric calculating program, which can derive not only accurate distances, but scale, size, dimension, and the 3D nature of the objects that we're going to be discussing, which are on Mars and I believe firmly are artificial, but the computer will help us find out. That will all be next Saturday evening or morning, depending upon where you are. And we're also going to be joined, I believe, by a surprise and very welcome guest. I I can't quite promise who that's going to be yet. We're working on the details, but um, I will obviously let you know in time to make appropriate arrangements. Okay, with that as for play, how do you like that for mixing our metaphors? We're going to talk tonight about the Pink Martian Road. I mean, I cannot count up how many years I have been doing this and proffering image after image after official image to people who, you know, should be able to look at it and know what they're looking at. And the reaction inevitably is interest and curiosity until they find out where it is. And then almost to a person, they turn around and run at warp nine. This happened just the other night. Remember how uh, Andrew was telling the story, I think a couple of weeks ago, how at my suggestion, he'd find an architect. He said, you know, suddenly he said, I kind of realized that I knew one who's the father of one of the sons that plays on the same baseball team that he plays on, his son plays on. 
So he went to the architect during, you know, whatever inning, while the kids are on the field, and he's sharing on his uh, smartphone the images of the infamous now door on Mars. And he said, what do you think that is? And they zoom around and zoom in and zoom out, and the architect says, well, it's a door. And then Andrew says, well, would you like to know where it is? And the guy says, well, yeah, sure, where? Mars. The guy gets up, the guy leaves, and they've never spoken again. Tonight, the impact of walking through the Martian door down the pink Martian highway. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. Once in a lullaby over the rainbow Skies And the dreams that you dare to dream Really do Someday I'll wish upon a star and wake up where the clouds are far behind me. Where troubles melt like lemon drops away above the chimney tops, that's where you Somewhere over the rainbow, bluebirds fly, fly over the rainbow, why oh why TheOtherSideOfMidnight.com Tune in to listen to Richard C. Hogland and his fascinating guests. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. Listen to past episodes anytime on any device. Search the archives of over 180 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Support the broadcaster to provide you with the most interesting conversation available. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com. If happy little bluebirds fly beyond the rainbow, why, oh, why can't I? And welcome back to The Other Side of Midnight for this Saturday night. 
Um, I believe we have Ron with us. Ron, are you there? Ron, are you there? Oh, my switches are set properly. Yes, I'm there, here. There you are. There you are. There you are. Yeah, it was a matter matter of muting. <laughs> Why is it? You know, this is going to be. People are going to have tombstones all over the world someday, and there'll be just one line on them. He forgot to unmute. <laughs> anyway, um, okay. Um, what do you think of the opening? Where are we tonight in the investigation of the wonders down the Martian Pink Road? Ah, well, when you put it that way, yes, we are, uh, I think, making some progress because there's an awful lot of stuff that has people interested. I even know a couple of people that are, um, they're, they're interested, they would never admit it, and they're currently very interested in two things. The, um, uh, the door, which I gather has gotten a lot of um, conversation amongst engineers, and the... Um, <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah. Well, nobody disputes that it's artificial. This is yes, the they do. Thing. It's like it's, NASA put no, out a no, whole no, no, press no. release, and there's a whole bunch of yahoos, and I use the term advisedly, who work for NASA, who were quoted in I think it was the life science piece, all putting their rep on the line, saying, "Oh, it's just a, a you know a, a earthquake fault in the rock," and well, if it was real, it would have to be real teeny tiny Martians, all that pejorative stuff. So yes, uh, there are people. Yeah, who, well, that's talking social media. I'm talking. I mean, uh, I mean on a you know on a private channel, and you and you can find bulletin boards where they'll be discussing it. Except you won't be able to tell who they are. Oh yeah, you know, the, the fabled anonymity of the internet. What would we? Where yes. would we be if you actually had to stand behind telling people the truth with your name? Uh, yeah, it would cut down all. If I if I could make one, you know, I, I I've been looking. This is a total diversion. I've been looking at Facebook mm-hmm. and Zuckerberg and the House and the Senate hearings and the you know Congress people who obviously are kind of you know back in the steampunk era, having no idea what a digital device really can do. And I'm thinking that if I had one magic bullet to recommend that would solve the internet problem. 99% make it illegal to post under an assumed false name. If you have an opinion, First Amendment, you have a right to put it out there, but you got to put it out there under your own name. I will bet you dollars to Navy Beans that 90% of our problems would just go away. Just go away. Because most people are terrified to be out in front all by themselves, naked and alone, under their own nom de plume. I think voluntary anonymity is one of the reasons that any sort of conversation circuit can work. No, it doesn't. Uh, I, no, it doesn't. I, when, when, someone I calls, restaurant... when, when someone, let me finish. When someone calls me on the phone, hmm. the first thing I ask is, who are you? I don't let anonymous people call me on the phone, engage me in nonsense conversations without asking first, who are you? When well, you're in a, when you're right. in a, when you're in a public meeting, you know when you're in a, in a legal proceeding, when you're in a a, a, a you know, political forum, uh, before the state house or the school board or the wherever, you are asked to provide your name. When you call a talk show, they absolutely write down who you are. When you call Coast Dan Tom Danheiser, 
They might not put it on the air, but they damn well know who you are because unless you tell them who you are, you can't go on. Why do we think that in the public forum, anonymity is any kind of social grace? Overreact to anybody that opposes their viewpoint. Uh, I was going to cite the do-good letters from um, Benjamin Franklin that are referenced in the National Treasure movie. Right. That was a law. That was a long time ago, and he had to uh, issue those anonymously, or somebody would have come and talked to him, even though he was very young at the time. Uh, the uh, no, I think it's an important part of the process. I, I don't see any problem there when it's a direct contact. It's, it's interesting. You know, we have diametrically opposed different. points of view. Diametrically yes, on this, yes. So yes, anyway, uh, moving on. I don't want to get hung up on on you know dumb points because that's not the focus of tonight. Hmm. So give people kind of an overview. You say there's a tremendous amount of background discussion on the door. I can yeah. Well, I said that. two things, and I only got halfway through it. But go ahead. No, I just well let me let me finish my thought. Um, I can back that up. Because we have had more response from our audience and George's audience who kind of came over to see what's going on over here than in any shows that I've done over the last five or six years. It's because everybody, except for the so-called paid experts on the tit of NASA, the agency, basically whores, those people lie. Real people looking at this go, oh, my God, it's a door. Please continue. Mm. Yes, and they're mostly, I think, arguing about the um, <laughs> size because nobody buys. See, NASA made a mistake there uh, in telling everybody that it was what's the what's their current estimation? Three feet. On bill, three feet. Oh, it's going up to three feet from thirty inches. Okay, um, and well, thirty inches yeah, is only yeah. six inches less than three feet. So. Yeah, I've heard people claim it uh, was much even smaller than that. But in, in any case, nobody but uh, in general, the uh, impression people seem to get when looking at the pictures is that no, 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 it's bigger than that. Uh, and it's not just, I think, wishful thinking. They're not expecting it to be a huge opening from, from which can um, <laughs> disgorge a huge ogre carrying a, a knobby club. Or Darth Vader's can... hordes of stormtroopers. Yeah, I think they'd have a nicer door. But this one still looks like something out of the valley. Okay, let me Kings. stop you there. Uh, are are you participating even anonymously in any of these discussions? Uh, well, of course, I wouldn't tell you the truth if I was, but no. So you're I'm not. Just, I, I, I spend no time on social media except to peruse it once in a while. I hardly ever post anything. I posted the okay. I posted it, a tweet it, like nine it, times it was, ever, and they, it was it was not a, it was not a leading question. Because no, if, if, if you are a lurker and you're not interfering in the experiment, you know, Heisenberg, that kind of thing, then you can report faithfully the ebb and flow of these conversations. Why is everybody so hung up, as I asked last week, on the damn size of the door? Why is a certain size criteria, oh, it's got to be artificial, but it's smaller than that with all the accoutrements, all the geometry, all the obvious architectural oh no that's got to be natural because we know that intelligent beings i.e humans come in a standard size where did that incredible erroneous assumption creep in well i think you're i think you're uh, forgetting a, an important factor 
uh, NASA posted the picture, and looking at the raw images, uh, yeah, it's a little square thing, you know, more or less square. That's uh, it's not clear. It's all, but any of the enhancements, and it's not like it's in, it's not like it's difficult to do. I, has NASA actually posted any sizable enlargements of it? I don't think. so. Are you kidding? Yeah. So <laughs> no. That's where, yeah. That <laughs> they why. want this to go it's, away is I, look. The only reason that we're suddenly getting color images again from Curiosity, which you can speak to with great authority. I mean, for years, folks, they've been palming off stupid black and white, bare filtered images that nobody but an expert could love. And suddenly, after the door controversy, there's color coming from the Curiosity rover again. Right, Ron? Uh, yes. And uh, that's something I noticed just the other day, that subsequent to that... Uh, that tempestuous event last week when uh, <laughs> you lost 19 and a half minutes of your show for the only the first airing. It was there in the rebroadcast and the, and the repeat that happens the next day. Uh, somebody was fooling around, but it's, it does happen. I tried to tell you that. I swear to you. And if you want to take calls and callers from radio stations, you'll find out that stuff happens. It can happen for good reasons, bad reasons, sinister government. Okay, plots, you're you're talking about you, and you, just for people who may not be you know following what's yeah. going on. They join I'll us late. You're talking about my appearance on coast last week, and then simultaneously KFI, the big, you know what they call it, the blowtorch station blow torch. in L.A., uh, Clear Channel, fifty thousand watts. It can be heard all over the world if the ionosphere is just right. Somebody turned it off for 19.5 minutes, and I've been saying it's incredibly suspicious. Ron is saying, oh, you don't know how incredibly dumb radio station people can be these days. And so I tried to put it to the test. I sent it's out, not dumb. I've tripped over wires in radio stations myself. I, it can happen. I sent out a very innocent request to people mm-hmm. in the industry, highly placed in the industry, uh, I can say this, highly placed in Premier, the Premier Radio Networks, who, of course, should be very concerned if one of their biggest, if not the biggest affiliate, drops out right in the middle of their show for 20 minutes, and nobody comes back and says, well, you know, we had a cat die, or, you know, the, the, the poor guy hanged himself, or whatever. Just an excuse. Nothing. It could happen. Yeah. My point they- is... Yes. I got zero response to my question. Yeah, zero. I'm, Not even a courtesy of, oh, that happens every other week, or, you know, I wouldn't worry about that. They had a, you know, cat fart in the middle of whatever. In other words, nothing. They want it to go away. They don't want to answer or think about it. And that, of course, to me, says something is wrong. May I offer a suggestion of as course. to an answer? Okay. But it's the, all speculation. Uh, so's on your side. No, it, it isn't. I have data. I asked an I, innocent question of someone inside, me... and they will not even answer the question. They ignore That's it. That's part of what I'm trying to answer. That's part of what I'm trying to answer, and it even includes a, a particular jab at you. Mm. Uh, there are plenty of people that would probably have taken the opportunity to make it a problem for you. Uh, it's generally pretty hip crews that are hanging around, but you know, tubes blow out. So yes, there's still an occasional tube somewhere and circuits go down. The, uh, 
when something like that happens, what they lose is advertiser related because exactly. they run ads. Yeah. They run ads, and they're not going to admit if nobody makes a big stink about it and brings it to the public attention that they were actually off the air for a number of minutes because there was probably a commercial in there. Somewhere. Listeners reported in multiple listeners. Yeah. Of course they it did. It happened. They can't, you know, yeah. it's like trying to hide what Trump did. It happened. Yeah, well, the, the part that made it personal was that it was 19 minutes and change. 19 and, and a half, yeah. Be, let me finish this, <laughs> if, if please. Stop it for a second. The, uh, if, if, something, if it goes off, not necessarily because they were trying to – because, believe me, you had a lot of volatile stuff to say. And it wasn't just there in that segment. And like I said, it did repeat. But if it went off and somebody who doesn't like you, who doesn't believe in Martians, who thinks it's all claptrap, but it's a job, so he stays there, says, oh, look, it went off. And they could sit there and tap their pencil until it got to 19 and a half minutes before they flipped the, the switch back on and recovered simply to make, a, uh, to make it a jab at you. In other words, it wasn't at worst. I don't think it was the um, an intentional lack of airtime based at you. It was somebody taking advantage of that in the studio that doesn't like what you say. But it doesn't any make any say. damn difference. All it did was call attention. You know the old Hollywood that expression? Works too. Hang on. Yeah. You know the old Hollywood expression, when you have a problem, hang a lantern on it? What they did was mm-hmm. hang a lantern on Hoagland, Mars data, images, oh, someone's censoring, oh, I've got an internet, I can go look up, I can play the replay, I can switch to KOGO, I can do anything. In other words, it had nothing to do with the worldwide broadcast on Coast that night of what I was saying. All it did was call attention in Georgia's backyard that somebody mm-hmm. at KFI does not want this on the air. And that only makes it more extraordinarily intriguing. In other words, it was exactly counterproductive to whatever this idiot, if it was done for that reason, was intending to do. It could have been to draw publicity. I was thinking of the other Hollywood phrase, which is there's no such thing as bad publicity. Uh, You know, it didn't hurt anything. Didn't hurt anything. You were uh, – people were listening, and they had a – as I understand it, they had a sizable upsurge in their – typical audience especially for you know a thursday night then uh, uh just because you were on there so and you know, see what was interesting is that they let me talk on the first hour about nasa the weird politics relationship with the pentagon uaps all of that stuff yeah the second hour i had reserved i told george at a time i want to do mm-hmm. the mars doorway and the surrounding incredible architecture and what this means in the second hour so i started at the top giving background that's when they turned it off they only turned it back on when we went to questions so it was obviously directed at the content may have been directed at me totally pointless because all it did was hang a lantern on it and it's like to, to me it was weirdly reaffirming i mean my worst case scenario is that nobody gives a damn and i've spent all the last half century doing this and ultimately nobody cares well, you Obviously. know that's not true. No, I don't know anything. I think I will know 
when there is a major political paradigm shift and people take back control of their space agency and get it to do what it was supposed to do 50 years ago, which is to tell us the truth about what's really out there and our relationship to it. Uh, well, uh, could I intrude for a brief second here with another picture to uh, cause more trouble? Oh, by all means. I love trouble. Okay. Okay. Look at uh, all you people out there. You can either follow the, excru- the uh, complex instructions about clicking on the banner and clicking on the names and clicking on the show, or you can simply scroll down, assuming you're already looking at Richard's stuff, and uh, get to my stuff. Look at number three. Richard, I don't think Richard has seen this one before either. Well, I'm going there. Let me see. I've got the right pew, as my grandmother would say. So I want three in your items, right? Right. Yeah, I've, see, I've, okay, I've, got, I've, I've got 18 items tonight, so you're going to want to scroll. Yeah, I know. I'm, yeah, I'm sticking. Right. So uh, at, take a look at that. You see a, mm-hmm. you see a typical movie-type uh, red Martian landscape, right? Oh, my God. Click on it and zoom in. I am. What's yeah, that thing it? in the bottom right corner? No, no, not the thing at the bottom right corner. Uh, look up, uh, look up at the at the main body of what you call it there. Okay, and, I'm, I'm looking. Yeah, don't you see the door? Well, it's, a, it's triangular, but it's a. I'm doorway. looking at when I say the bottom right corner, I mean the the slab, the tilted slab, oh, the, not the corner of the picture, the corner of the object. Yeah, there's a big damn. Yeah. Looks like a door. Yeah, with even a, with a little front porch. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Now, yeah. So add that add that to the mix. Now, do you yeah. see the the face right above it? Yeah, I process the picture. Of course, I do. Well, I don't know. I have to ask even apparent dumb yeah. questions. Yeah. Other people might not, unless we say, by the way, cut. See these ancient. Cultures. Well, they will now. The the later ones had this incredible propensity of doing faces all over everything. Artwork abounds in this stuff. They chiseled and you know chipped and scratched and you know rubbed and whatever they did. There are effigies, and they're not just human. So it's not pareidolia. It is, mm-hmm. there's other guys up there, other species. The doorway seems to be a cornucopia of different species, all represented by statuary and effigies and um, what do they call um, Freezes. Faeance. Or faeances. Although, don't faeances apply to kind of candle holders or something? Anyway, um, mm. the point is, is, the art is all over the damn place. Keith, was, was Kinthea able to join us tonight? Just tell us. Keith? Mr. Morgan? Oh, dear. I'm tempted to make a snoring noise just to make everybody laugh. <laughs> okay, well, he will eventually get back to us. Because <clears throat> Kinthea, of course, has been on the art aspect of Mars from the get-go. And everything we found has totally reaffirmed that historically, in mythos, in legend, in you know Babylonian texts, wherever, Mars has been misnamed. It is not, or should not be, the planet of war. It's the damn planet of art. It makes the caves at Lazoo 
look like, you know, uh, somebody's scratch notebook by comparison. They put things on everything, everything. And they're the typical Martian art where they relate several three-dimensional figures for an overall gestalt of association. So it's both art and symbol and communication all in one. By the way, there's... And only, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, these days, only artists appreciate that. There's one artist that I'm aware of that's made a whole career out of it, but he doesn't tend to do faces. He's an Israeli artist of some renown named Yaakov Agam, A-G-A-M. Hmm. And he does, uh, he does, it's mostly geometric stuff, but it's all three-dimensional in unusual ways, uh, hmm. visual or even physical. And, um, yeah, it's, if you look his stuff up, you go, oh, wow, look at that. But, um, yeah, like I said, he doesn't do faces, but I, I know he'd appreciate it. Um, beyond that, it's up to the audience. Uh, if you go all the way back through history, as far as the statue, the source of the statuary that you see in museums goes, uh, most of it, certainly back through the Greco and Roman periods, uh, was painted. Those beautiful white marble statues, they would use this flawless stone, cut these incredibly beautiful uh, statues, and then paint them to look lifelike, oh, like a mannequin grief. in a store window. You oh, my God. And which has all worn off. And so I, I, I think we suffer some of that on Mars. Um, oh, I do too. I mean, you know, the Martian conditions, even with my adjustments that they've been lying to us about, among other things, the atmosphere for half a century. And when mm -hmm. that started, I mean, that's a whole show in and of itself. I've gone back now and looked at the original Mariner 4 records, which was the first time we had an actual in situ measurement of the atmosphere of Mars. That's where we got the current, you know, it's thinner than at 100,000 feet and all that. And every ensuing mission has only, we've been told, well, it just added more data, you know, more decimal points to it's really, really, really super thin. One one hundredth of the air that we're breathing tonight, uh, most of us anyway. And you would die instantly of asphyxiation if you walked outside your spacecraft uh, without, a, without a spacesuit or, or a mask. Oh, and you'd also explode. So that's the kind of Martian environment, which, again, we can prove scientifically they have been lying about. A whole damn planet lying, lying, lying for 50 years. And what I find dazzling and so perplexing is how all the scientists in the scientific community who can look at this the same way that we can and have to reach the same conclusion because it's just elemental physics – nobody's blown the whistle. I mean, is the corruption that deep that there's no honest planetologist out there or meteorologist or climatologist or a person who thinks synoptically about planets and atmospheres who takes a look at the imagery and the data and says, wait a minute, we got a problem, Houston, or in this case, Pasadena. Nobody. How does one enforce that incredibly rigorous going along with the party line. I mean, it's baffling to me. Look at how the whole the Trump thing is falling apart. All the in crowd can't wait to get in front of a microphone and a TV camera to blow the whistle. How come this is not happening inside NASA? This to paychecks. me is a non... But these guys also, also have paychecks and they'll never get another job if Trump 
spots them as an enemy. They'll wind up pushing nah. pushing garbage somewhere because it uh, has actually, a very long actually, memory. And let's not get diverted because we can't solve it tonight. I just want to know why up. is – yes, because – by other normal political comparisons, people think they rat. They, 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 they you know, they, they come forward. They, they tell the truth. Nobody likes a traitor. That's what it amounts to. Then why are we having all these other whistleblowers all through history, particularly now where there are laws protecting whistleblowing? As an institution, if you can't do a forensic on what's going on inside a government agency – there is no accountability. NASA has not been accountable to the people who pay the bills, the American taxpayer, from the beginning. They now get, they're getting somewhere. Compare it to the Federal Reserve, which has never been audited. Well, yeah, they're the same boat. So mm-hmm. the well, Federal Reserve is about something important, money. NASA, in most people's minds, is about something totally unimportant, space. How could that possibly impact my life? I mean, I I think that's 90% of the problem because I have learned in the decades I've been on this planet that the one thing that does get attention is money. If there was money and personal um, detriment associated with NASA's doing what they're doing behind the scenes and giving us a false front Western town, there would be accountability, but it literally is so removed from most people's perception that they cannot begin to imagine that anybody lying about a planet has any relevance to their everyday lives. And we got about 30 Uh, seconds. How long? 30 seconds. Uh, Think about this. Are you aware of the uh, fact that much of the stuff that is held secret has been farmed out from all available evidence to the private sector? Well, not the Perseverance mission, not these incredible well, photographs. Well, no, not a specific mission, yeah, but, but everything they glean from it. Well, let me finish the, in a few seconds. Why? How much money is Lockheed Martin and everybody else making off of that? The amount of money that is uh, in that private research is staggering beyond belief. But, and so that but, would be but, enough motivation. Part of the wisdom is – If you think there's a lot of money in the National Space Program now, imagine what would happen if we actually found life out there and ruins and amusement parks, Martian arcades, longevity clinics, God knows what. As someone said to me many years ago, but Dick, if this was real, it would be a gold card for NASA. Why would they turn it down? And that is the conundrum. You're on the other side of midnight on a Saturday night here in the land of enchantment where the rain, the monsoons are coming down. We shall return to the incredible stories tonight originating from the wild, wild west. Don't go away. Thank you. 
theothersideofmidnight.com. Tune in to listen to Richard C. Hoagland and his fascinating guests. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Support the broadcast that provides you with the most interesting conversation available. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com. And welcome back on the Saturday night, June 25th, 2022. Did I ever imagine that I'd be saying those words? And further, did I ever imagine I'd be saying them to an entire planet? Because now with the Internet, we are literally worldwide and on the other side of midnight. From the great American Southwest, the land of enchantment, my favorite place of all, New Mexico. Okay, Ron, uh, why don't we go back to the data, if I can up here I want everyone to go to my number seven okay and you can follow along right when you first started looking at this so-called balanced rock what were some of your impressions uh, mine yep uh, first one was it didn't look like a balanced rock <laughs> because balanced rocks always have the the relationship with the what you'd call the pedestal uh, is different than anything shown here. Uh, you know, in the ones that NASA released, and I said, why did they do that? You know, there, there's occasionally a, there's a, there's a curiosity picture that's got a, uh, it's not round like that, but it's, you know, it's sort of a walnut shaped uh, thing sitting on top of a bluff as they would call it. And, you know, there's no rationale for it sitting there, but it sits. There's room for this to sit, so why are they calling it a balance rock? It doesn't look like it's about to fall off. But you look at it closely, and you can see that it's, there's actually more to it that we can't quite see. They just took advantage of an image that was positioned, and I don't think they plotted it out. Uh, they said, oh, look here. This looks like a rock balanced on the tip of that other rock. But... If you zoom in on it, on any of the, I've noticed there's several versions of it up tonight. Uh, the uh, You can see there's a little something down below it. I think that there were probably two of them. And the I don't know what that other one wrote alongside with the caption on your, I, I can't. No, that's the insect. Like, 
Yeah, I said, okay. It's a see, what I did yeah, is well, I put it on large inset. I lightened it up so you can clearly see, like a diamond, you know, and any guy out there that's given a, a ring to a gal, you know, they you work very hard for not only the diamond or the gemstone, but the setting, the mount. This so-called balanced rock, which is actually uh, broken off part of a cylinder, is on a tapered pedestal that appears to be jutting up from behind the tipped over monolith looking like it had been literally stolen from, uh, you know, uh, uh, Maria Stonehenge, Stonehenge. And, and flown to Mars. I mean, if that thing, if you found that at Stonehenge, you wouldn't think two things about it. It's obviously a dressed block. You don't get long, perfectly cut, rectangular, massive monoliths in nature. You just don't. So it's shaped, it's dressed, it's been artificially worked, and it's tilted. In fact, both of them, that and the, and the kind of pointed one right to the, with the rock or the balance thingy up between. To me, it looks like you've got two separate monolith size things, and then you've got this cylindrical thing on a mount, tapered mount, sticking up, and it's probably on a pole that we can't see extending down to the ground, which is just at the very bottom of the image. And my thinking, given that my overall impression of this whole complex, which means we're going to want to go, I think, to another view. Let me uh, tell you which one you want to go to. I think Keith has a good one. Yeah, section. let's let let's go to Keith's, okay? Um, I think I think I I think I processed the original image, but it's still it's, well, it's, let's, it's let's, still a valid claim, even though I'm citing okay, something okay. I did. I'm, I'm looking. Yeah. At, no, Keith yeah. doesn't have it up there. I don't think. Keith, do you? Because I can't really? find. Really, he does. Where? Where? Yeah. Oh no, no, no! Not the good version. This is the crummy NASA version. I need the processed version. So. Did you put up? Did, did you put up your? I hate that color. It's wrong. Oh, let's. All right, let's go to number two. Well, okay, let's go to yeah. number two of Ron's. All right, Saul four sixty six combo. Boy, these are huge images. Uh, all right, but if you scroll around, you'll see that there is particularly if you look at number the bottom right corner of your number of your four quad. That kind of gives uh, you the overall view. There's the balanced rock, which isn't. There's the tilted monoliths. All those other things up there, they're all part of some kind of organized collection of stuff. It reminded me of, uh, I'm, this is a term that I'll just use, you know, kind of like an ancient Martian amusement park, like a Martian yeah. Disneyland or whatever. And so I was thinking of this thing on the pole as a kind of a rotating um, ball or cylinder that would be near the entrance as you walked up as a visitor or a pilgrim or whatever, and it has faces on its sides. So if it rotated, mm -hmm. the faces may actually be identifiable by whoever was contemporaneous, you know, being tourists of this place. In other words, mm -hmm. wouldn't it be interesting if the Ingenuity helicopter, which is not very far away, could have been commanded or could still be commanded to fly up a few, you know, 30, 40 feet, get an aerial view, a bird's eye view, a drone's eye view of this complex looking down so we see the exact three-dimensional arrangement of all this amazing stuff up there. 
and instead from NASA on the subject of helicopters taking images. Of this, there is deafening silence. Uh, yeah, on that uh, four, on that quad that you're citing, the four panels there. The uh, just so everybody's clear, the upper uh, left is the raw image yep. that has the image number on it, and everything else is, of course, from there. But they're uh, uh, they're all enhanced to various degrees. The lower right is yes, it's a little bland, but I did it that way so that more detail was available for the. Uh, uh, you know, for the viewing, it's uh, that's the hardest thing. There are the artwork, and especially things like carvings can be so sophisticated, and usually are, that depending on the lighting, you'll see something a little different. So unless they're fairly light, which is usually what NASA goes for, even though their raw images can have other problems, uh, you'll see the maximum detail, but it's probably darker than that. You know the um, uh, the the snake, which some people think is a dragon, some people think it's a Draco from the reptilian invaders. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, I'm okay. fine with it. I'm fine with any of those. But I'm definitely more comfortable like with with dinosaur because we've we've got dino- dinosaur. We've got dinosaurs. Uh, can you guys hear me? Yes. Um, there you are, Keith. Hi. I stepped away for a bit. Um, yeah, Keith. I know Keith has some depth of thought about that particular panel. When I when I first saw the Balanced Rock, I was like, nobody sees the snakehead sticking out the side. <laughs> of the yeah. And but then uh, I saw that it was an article somebody had also saw it uh, and saw it as a snakehead. But after actually looking at it really intensely, it looks like a bear or badger more like a badger and if you look at the overall down below the head there is a paw with claws on it it's a big oh i see what you're saying yeah the, i don't know yeah and, i think i still think it's a dragon those look like little wings to, yeah, well, just to the just to the right of the face well it, it's it's just like what showed up in in utah people went in to look at the monolith that was there right and and nobody mm. saw the puma head sticking out the side of the freaking wall. Mm. And then on the right side, there was something I couldn't make out what it was, but there was this nice little S curve that I said, that doesn't look natural. And then when I saw a shot that looked down into that little valley, that on the left, the right side was this huge cat head. We're talking about Earth now in Utah, right? Right. Okay. Great. Because this stuff is standing right in front of us. Right here on this planet. Well, and John Womack and, and John Womack, you and I have been discussing for some time that right here on Earth, there appears to be counterparts of some of this exquisite artistry, geoglyphs, art on the rocks, art on the mesas, art on the whatever, and no one has recognized it for two reasons. One, nobody in their right mind has been looking for this stuff ever. And two, erosion on Earth is so vicious and rapid and permanent that anything beyond a few thousand years is kind of hopelessly blended into the background unless you kind of know what what, what you're looking at. And I think that if the stuff on Mars that we're seeing as art, as created dioramas and, you know, uh, 
like you know Martian Disneyland, whatever. If that's real and it's 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 uh, was done by the last high culture on Mars, and then they had to come here, then potentially the two sets of effigies in the rocks, the effigies in the landscape, the geoglyphs that Keith Laney's talked about forever and ever that he sees in the MRO imagery, and we're seeing now all over in the surface rover imagery, and Keith and I saw instantly when the, when the so-called monolith in Utah first became, you know, news, and we're looking at the whole damn canyon walls and going, wait a minute, what about all that stuff? In fact, we're going to have Scott Walter on in a couple of weeks. You know who he is, the host of America Unearthed. He's going to be back on, and we're going to be able to run by him for the first time comparisons between what we see on Earth in the way of this mega geoglyphic art and what we're seeing on Mars. And we're going to get an honest opinion from a professional, Scott Walter, right here on the other side of midnight. So I think that's going to be um, two Saturdays from now, I think. Um, I will let you know next week. But I think that's roughly when we're planning to do this, two Saturdays from now. Anyway, so back to you, Keith. So when you looked at this, you saw all the other stuff up there that the Miami Herald didn't talk about or now. The snakehead, uh, I, that was my first impression. It was a snakehead, but it, I looked at it again and I see the, the badger or, or something along that line. And, and then I looked in the bigger picture that actually has the section behind it. And there's actually a huge, uh, Gila monster in, in, in this, in this section in the back of it. Mm-hmm. And its arm comes down with a claw and, and the neck curves under, and the eye, which looks the section where the eye is, there is this perfect 90-degree right angle section of, it looks like an uh, a L, a capital L, laying on its back. Mm-hmm. Now, you and realize I, that if we can get Musk to go here, Jezero, with his starship and his 100 crew and all the technology he's going to bring with him, he could do the forensic archaeology and start by simply going up here and looking for one of the damn guidebooks. <laughs> now, of course, we have to translate from the original High Martian, or maybe we wouldn't. I mean, this opens up such a can of worms, because if we're right, if our model is correct, that we're looking at our great-great-great-great-grandmothers, and they ported all this stuff over from Mars when they had to leave to Earth then we may have a code key to the language in which this was originally written, be it Mayan or Egyptian or Aramaic or maybe Sanskrit or something that uh, we haven't unearthed yet. The point is, once you establish a potential terrestrial connection, there's no limit to what we can find out both about what occurred on Mars and in my model, what probably occurred here on Earth. Uh, I could add a little craziness to this. Oh, by all means. I love craziness. Since a lot of people are still looking at the uh, that four uh, panel, I kind of like the format. It makes it yeah, easier it on the viewer, and it's a lot easier on the person putting the um, stuff up, like in this case, Keith. The lower, on the lower left, that's obviously an enhanced one, and 
the uh, see the two pointy things in the middle. Yes, uh, yes, that, yes. That that looks to me, and I have a reason for specifics here. Uh, looks like a little hedgehog. The reason it looks like a little hedgehog to me is that I happen to have just a foot and a half away from me. It's a keepsake from many many years ago from an old girlfriend that is a little stifle uh, stuffed animal, and it's about you know what, five inches high, and it's a little hedgehog, and except for it being spiny, and this isn't, the resemblance is uncanny, so that's what, that's why it caught my eye, it looks just like Ecclesiastes, this is a little stuffed hedgehog, um, the, uh, but it goes, but what, what else do you get? Uh, you get it very, up very close to something on the right, and if you look at it, there's a bit of a face there. You see the nose, you see the mouth, possibly with a mustache above it, and it's like they're about to kiss. I mean, it's like somebody picking up their pet to give it a buzz. And the, the squareness above it is like the headdress of an Orthodox um, Roman Catholic, you know, like Eastern branch. They wear those square hat mm. kind of headdress uh, hoods things and so there's there's all sorts of possibilities about this and i owe oh, a tiny little tidbit about the so-called balance rock if you look at it closely on the right side it, it appears that it is indeed flat and there's a darkness there that indicates it's possibly hollow so it's you know it's like a cup or something in shape and it could also be one of those death stalks that uh from the hg wells novel about the martians you know, the, um, that was made into a radio show that supposedly scared people and then a movie or two, you know, the, uh, it looks just like they're one of their death ray things. So maybe that's what that is. It's a death ray to catch anybody that gets in the amusement park without paying the fare. I don't know, but, uh, you know, there's always other layers <laughs> to this. You mean if you, you didn't, know? if you didn't buy a ticket? They literally zapped you with a ray from that thing. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. That's what happened to the Martians. Economy collapsed. Nobody could afford to pay to go to the park anymore, and so the automated defense mechanisms vaporized <laughs> all, of, uh, all of their population. Uh, and someone the, just uh, tuning in is going to say, "Okay, Hoagland's really lost it tonight." Okay, let well, me let me tuned in. Let me be. It can happen. It could okay, happen. go ahead. Yeah, anything can happen. Okay. What's so, so interesting to me is that this whole idea that Mars is a kind of an art-based Rorschach test is another interesting filter for what I think is one of the most provocative and exciting possibilities. Because I've been, obviously, since Robin died, I've been very you know, gripped to the idea of death. Why, why do we die? Why do we have to keel over at you know, 70, 80, 90, whatever, and you know, why can't we live like some cells from, I forget who that uh, famous Mary was, whose cells are still alive in a Petri dish, you know, almost a century after they were collected. What is it about life in 3D that condemns us to, you know, a very fast and uh, brief trip? And is that ordained? So I've been thinking a lot of very, you know, non-scientific thoughts. And I've really been trying to come at this from, the physics perspective, which is if our three-dimensional existence is really bounded by a four-dimensional and higher reality, and there are ways to communicate between these dimensions, then are we really here? 
possible that life, certainly consciousness on Earth, as I've discussed countless times with Georgia and many others on the show, that we are a, a projection of consciousness from a higher dimension into this dimension, and these forms, these vessels, these vehicles that we walk around in and use, you know, bodies, are just, you know, kind of like discardable thingies in some kind of VR experiment. And when we die, no, we just kind of go back home and we actually never left. And the whole thing is the communication between dimensions, which, again, from my mm-hmm. careful observation, is very, 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 very low bandwidth. And that goes up and down with time of day, time of week, time of month, time of year, with the seasons, with the alignment with the huge black hole in the center of the Milky Way. In other words, the physics, the torsion field hyperdimensional connection is modulated. If part of that connection is literally our consciousness, our ability to experience the world in surrogate VR you know, uh, robotic meat wagons, then a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense makes stuff makes sense, including the concept of reincarnation. So that comes to the test. Some people that I've shown, uh, I'll call it Ron's cluster, to hmm. uh, can't see a thing. They can't even see that the damn ball is not a ball and is sitting on a obviously machine pedestal. Other you people, want to give them a Rorschach test? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me finish. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Other people yes. like Andrew, who Andrew Curry, who was our resident artist, works with Hollywood, works with commercials, works with television, storyboards, narrative and visual form, imaging, video, all of that. He took one look the other night and said, "Oh my God, it's Don't give filled it away. with faces." Okay. Yeah going to give it away don't worry anyway so uh, my attitude is until you tell me what you see i'm not going to tell you a if you're right and b where it is but there are such stunning confirmations of some of the things that you and john and i talked about last week that are on this little complex right above where the rover used to be parked for days and days taking photograph after photograph that I'm desperately wishing that some bright person somewhere in JPL will say, why don't we fly the helicopter over this and make those pictures public? You were going to say. Yeah, I was going to say that uh, I built in a Rorschach test here. I just didn't, and you you weren't talking about it, so it's fine. But uh, <laughs> I, I and and Keith very presciently did not, spell it out because I had a, a descriptive title for it and he didn't use that. It's just the image number. Uh, it's from a, it's from a, you know, a week and a half of, uh, or two of, uh, uh, Mars time earlier, but so it's somewhere around there. And I don't think NASA noticed it. I think just in the, well, uh, are we talking about your quad? Uh, no, oh, oh, no well, we're, well, talk, we're talking. Yeah. I, well, I'm about to what say, image? uh, it's, uh, uh, they, I think they just said, oh, okay, catalog that, and they took a picture of it because it's just one what picture. What image? Nothing contiguous. Number four. Number four. Ah, I knew it was number four. Yeah. Yeah, take a look at the top, and, and nobody say what it is. Oh, so, oh my God. Look. Oh, it's – I 
you know, I've been watching it on the small screen upstairs in the library. This is the yeah. first time I've seen it on the big screen down here in the studio. And see, I, see I showed this to Andrew the other night, and he had the same reaction. He said, holy catfish, Batman. And a few other things. Yeah, I think it's the clear. I think it's the clearest indication I have ever seen on Mars myself. Uh, and that's, and that's saying just, something because you know Ron oh, spends <laughs> half of his time on Mars. Right, and the rest of the time, the rest of the time, I'm I'm falling down drunk or something. No, not really. Uh, but I, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm I'm prone to I'm prone to enjoy the occasional naturally occurring hallucination. Oh my God, I, that is. And that's not the best we can do. That was just, oh, no, that, was gotta, just, that was just quick and dirty. I have well, no, it wasn't quick and dirty. I have a, a wallpaper size. I don't mean in your house. I mean on your laptop right, uh, right. version that I sent it to Keith, but he didn't have time to put it up. You know, he said. Um, well, we're going to have uh, a lot of time next weekend to do. You know, we need to send yeah. this to uh, to Tim. Now, did you spot the giant eyeball? On which one? Yeah, the one the we're one talking about, the top one. The bottom, the, uh, the, 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 this, this is a, a doublet with the wide angle yeah. mass cam Z right on the bottom. Yeah. And then on the top is an enlargement of the amazing, amazing, amazing stuff at the end of that mesa, which is not a mesa. Well, maybe right. technically it is. And yeah. if you want to know where the eyeball is, look on the top on the far right bottom third of your image mm-hmm. you see it uh yeah he how says, can it be on the top right and the bottom third at the same time he's he on the right edge about a third of the way up you see where that slope is yeah well it's on the slope yeah uh actually there's three uh protuberances on the on that uh the kodiak or the Bear Temple, or whatever mm-hmm. NASA and everybody else decided to claim it, that are, um, uh, yeah, I don't have an, uh, one of these days. Oh, I my, and I now, rec- I now recognize what I'm seeing on what I call the plaza. Remember I called attention yeah. to the plaza? And I'm now seeing it's another exquisite art form. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Yeah. Can you imagine? Anyway, there is somewhere yeah. locked in a sealed room there is pristine Martian art that was the equivalent to the, you know, uh, Mona Lisa. You could hang it in the Louvre. Even if it's mm-hmm. 30,000 years old, it's been sealed away waiting for us to come back. It's there. This is the ancient exposed stuff. Imagine what this stuff looked like when it was new and in a different medium. And where is Cynthia when I need to talk to her? I'm looking at Ron's number four, the lower half, the one yeah. wide shot. Yep. Yeah. And I see what looks like home plate with a circle in it, or it in the. Uh, yeah, that's what I call right. the plaza. That's what you call okay. the plaza. Yeah. That is yeah. weird. Yeah, Keith, I mean, that's I'm, the full I'm, frame. I'm kind of here in New the Mexico, lower... which is you know Mexico, new American Southwest plazas are big. Instantly, I saw it was a plaza. A manufactured design plaza. Yeah, that's the full frame at the bottom. I, I try to do that when I can so that uh, it gives its own context. Now, what, what we need can... to do is to set the context. This is the real color of Mars. Mars has a blue sky, a very bright mm-hmm. blue sky, 
which again goes back to this conundrum that I cannot solve. How do you get away with lying about an entire planet for half a century to a whole planet? Us, Earth, and NASA Hmm. has. They've been absolutely lying about Mars, the environment, and they've been getting away with it. Why? Well, I think it's baggage. I think they I think they came up with a narrative before they were had any idea how much information they actually would But and science could always gather. can say, Oops, we're wrong. That's what science is. Remember Isaac Asimov? I know. He said science is the only human institution which avidly, aggressively looks for error. Remember Viger? Error, mm. error, error. Yeah. And tries to get rid of it by correcting it with new, better information. NASA has been stuck for half a century on this absurd view of Mars, which bears no relation to the real physics of the place. As anybody out there, all over the world listening to us tonight, can verify for themselves. Yeah, and the funny thing is that uh, Hollywood and uh, other such fictional outlets uh, has portrayed it fairly accurately most of the time. I mean, in the Martian movie, which is not perfect, but the only thing that's really wrong in the visuals is the sky. They have that uh, impossibly uh, butterscotch sky everywhere. And if they had, if they had simply broken ranks and given us a blue sky. Why why does that remind me of an old Western song? Oh, buttermilk sky. Oh, butterscotch sky. <clears throat> Sorry. Boy, that must be an old song. Never heard that one. Uh, I just I'm made just... it up. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, oh, good. I feel better. But see, the reason I mentioned the Martian movie is that they shot that. You know, it, it was not just CGI. They did a lot of shooting in places like Jordan, I think. And so they have lovely blue skies. Well, and are you talking just... about the famous John Carter Disney plan no, Megaplop? We'll get... We'll get to that. Okay. And uh, the uh, no, the one with Matt Damon. Oh, uh, oh, the one I haven't seen. And the no, reason yeah, I haven't yeah, seen but, it is because the plot line is so incredibly boring. Like, who the hell cares? Yeah, we're oh, even by the break here. Yeah, I'm <laughs> kind I'm, of. I'm, whoops, I'm, whoops, whoops. I'll stop. Well, let's let's just blow past the break. The bottom of the hour doesn't count anyway. So continue. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's, 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 yeah. There isn't much more. The point is that they shot it. Uh, they did a lot of location shooting in places like uh, Jordan and so forth. And so they could have left it alone. So they had to go to a lot of CGI trouble to give it a brown sky yes. to match the NASA narrative. So I, that was probably necessary in order to get the little credit at the end saying NASA helped us a lot and we really kissed their boots See, in I gratitude. I want to know how you get experts, professionals who pride themselves on being professional on being persons of integrity, who take one look at these pictures and listen to NASA say, oh, the atmosphere is equivalent to Earth above 100,000 feet. They take one look mm. and they go, those guys are full of it. There's no way that's an atmosphere on a planet that's as, as you know, non-dense atmospherically as a, over 100,000 feet on Earth. And yet nobody, even those with zero connection through a money trail to any paycheck ever from NASA, they will not tell the truth. How does a government agency enforce planet-wide this kind of lockstep of zombie-like behavior on something so amazingly simple? Inky said 450,000 years ago, 
that mark yeah. at rivers and lakes. Not a million, not a billion, 450,000 years ago. Something devastated that planet in yep. that short period of time. But he said you could be on the surface without a fish suit. Mm-hmm. And the fish suit from their language was a space suit from what we understand. And I think right. a seal suit was a, another form of less intrusive as having to have a pressurized fish suit. So I think the fish, the fish suit and the seal suit symbols that are next to the doorway are indicating that that was a, a storage closet or emergency access for fish suit or um, seal suit access so that they had to get it because the planet's atmosphere was starting to have some turbulent stuff going on. See, this and is Marge- the problem. We're 35 million miles away. We can speculate all we want and yeah. we'll never know. Your ideas about this are as good as mine, as good as Ron's, as good as mm-hmm. Kim's, but there is a way to know. We just need to get the information to a guy that already knows. His name is Elon Musk. He's spending a lot of money to take a lot of people to Mars. Apart from the government, unless there's a sea state change in the honesty at NASA, the only way we're going to ever get the truth is through private enterprise. That has a kind of nice ring to it. Private enterprise that goes there blows the doors off the cover-up, and shows humanity what we're missing. Yeah. How can anybody top that? Okay, let me go back to your picture. I wanted to explain that it looks like Earth because Mars is like Earth, except the composition of the atmosphere. Now, remember, back to, you know, Chemistry 101, all molecules are basically the same size, regardless of what they're made of. So, you know, molecules of hydrogen are the same as molecules of nitrogen or carbon dioxide or oxygen or um, I'm trying to think of like, like helium, Nobel gas. They're all roughly the same size. So they scatter light the same way and they all would produce a blue sky if you had enough of it in abundance on a planet like obviously we have on Mars. So that's where the blue sky comes from. The color... Is, and, and the shapes are because you're looking from Percy on a rather high perch, climbing up what's called the Delta, this ancient river uh, extrusion of muds from a crack in the crater wall to the west, where huge amounts of water, back when water could flow on Mars freely, flowed, pooled in this 30-mile wide crater, creating a lake with all kinds of marine kind of stuff going on. And you're looking then past one of those uh, eroding pediments of the delta, which obviously was reshaped by a much more contemporaneous civilization. And then beyond it, that other set of gently brownish stuff, that's the far rim of the Jezero crater itself. And you're looking roughly west, well, maybe southwest, okay? But it's what they did to this particular cliff face the art the three i mean it looks like um petra except on steroids yeah well it's good you mentioned that because there is a, it is a cave entrance i think that it's basically collapsed but it's uh i'm calling it a cave but i mean the, the whole thing could be constructed but it kind of looks like uh it was you know in there was already something there naturally and um they made use of it like Petra and um, yep. added to it as, as necessary. But um, 
yeah, they, but they, they, they won't go back. They never go back to these, these grab shots as they're driving by. It's not that it's the only place. It's just funny that they seem to have missed this one. I just really get that feeling. The only or, or, artwork in number four. I mean, it, it's, it's filled with artwork. artwork. It's overwhelmingly yeah, it, artwork. Okay, and Keith is right. There's a hell of a lot more of it to the right of what you see here. Like I said, I like to uh, offer up the um, – sometimes I'll use a panorama. And um, inside baseball, it's okay, not this because I want taken, to spread the tip. This was taken on Sol 411. I'll tell you what, let's go back to yeah. my items because I actually have a overview okay. showing where Percy is. I thought that might be useful tonight. So what you want to do is go to my number eight. Everybody go to my section. Click on number eight. This is an overview – of the perseverance wanderings, the perambulations of wandering around the surface of Jezero Crater on Mars. And you can see that it started at the very bottom in the middle of the picture. It started with a landing there. Then they traveled south for a while out of frame. Then they came back north and they wended their way up to the right. And then they went to the west of one of those two large twin craters up around the curve, starting to head west, down and down. And then you see the two blue balloons. The first one is the location currently of Ingenuity. And the second one is where uh, Perseverance is. Well, it's shot looking. You see that curved mesa below where Percy currently is? That brownish thing kind of between the Traverse squiggly lines come on guys yeah and it's got it's got what looks like two blocks kind of staring at each other across a uh, ridge well it's 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 a nice curve which is raised you can see a shadow sitting yeah, on a flat flat yeah that's the one that's what we're looking at in close-up 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 taken from much closer and this mm-hmm. map doesn't show the what they call the solves what you need to do yeah. is to go back to my next shot, which is number nine. I don't believe that, Lily. I don't believe you did that. Okay. Number nine. And you can see here, I've got two of the locations on this rambling traverse, you know, map, the the kind of wanderings of perambulations of uh, perseverance. Sol 386. Sol is a Martian day. So it's the number of days since Percy landed uh, last year. And Sol 387, one Martian night apart, okay? So if you follow that all the way around, you would see, and we're not going to do it tonight live. You can do it when you go to the interactive. Um, You can actually find where it was when it took that stunning oblique view of this incredible art expose entrance to the cliff, to to the mesa, whatever. And we haven't gotten to the good stuff yet. They're literally in the foothills. So as long as we're on 387 and 386, what I wanted to call attention to is that if you go back and look um, at my overview, which is number eight, where it makes the bend over there by the craters, kind of where it makes the curve at the top, that's Mm -hmm. where Perseverance was on two successive sols when it took the most extraordinary set of images we're going to spend a lot of the rest of the evening talking about. So now what we want to do is we want to go to number 10. Because on 
one of these images that was sent to me uh, by Georgia, I noticed something absolutely bizarre. So I went looking, and it's taken me several days to look at the overhead MRO information from orbit looking down, and then the surface imagery looking out, the has cams, the nav cams, the mass cams, all of this takes a long time. And I finally found what we're going to want to take a look at in number, actually, let's go to number 12, okay? Because on number 12, this is a nav cam. You see there in the foreground a rock on the right-hand side of the screen. You can see uh, two tracks. Those are the rover wheels, the treads. By the way, try Googling with a Perseverance uh, wheels. It will not tell you how wide they are. They will tell you over and over and over again how what the diameter of the wheels are. They will not tell you anywhere. And I looked for two days. They will not tell you. NASA doesn't tell you. Nobody else writing about it. None of the engineering people in the background will tell you the width of the tire treads on the Perseverance rover. And I began to say, my nuts, why, why is that so obviously not, not happening? Well, the answer is because they don't want you to know the scale. Those treads are 16 inches wide, which means you can use them to measure the relative size of anything as long as there are, you know, wheel tracks. And you'll see they go and they curve around to the right way up north because we're looking uh, back along uh, the, uh, the direction that, that we came from, which is really peculiar. So... I started looking at this in depth, and if now go to the next number. didn't take me very long. You want to go to number 13. This is now an annotated version of this um, slightly adjusted, what they call NavCam view. Okay? And the NavCam view shows that um, there are two objects in the field of view that are worthy of interest. Right in front of us, right next to the rover, just a couple of three feet away, if you go to the next one, number 14, there appears to be a shiny metal strip. Look at the reflection. You see where I have the words written strip? You see that object, that kind of shiny, uh, knobby-looking object below the P of strip? Ron? You're, you're right. It does. It does look like a somewhat beaten up uh, strip of something rather yeah, wide yes exactly yeah. it, it's it's wide yeah. it's tall you can actually if that if the width of the rover tires is 16 inches get your scale from that it's reflective and you can see in the upper right hand corner the reflection fuzzy of the bright object below the P and then you can see the reflection of the little grains it's like mirror surface. And yet at the top, you see how it has a uniform width, slightly wavy. And then you can see that the rover track literally crossed it and crushed part of it flat because it's obviously very fragile. And it just smashed it and went on, okay? But it's a mirror-like surface. So if you can imagine Martian sandstorms, over countless millennia, 
on a piece of metal, burnishing it to a sheen just because of the innumerable, you know, pitting of little grains. So that's the first bizarreness and the object that was sitting on top of it to the left, which has all kinds of geometry. So let's get out of that. And then we go back to the wide angle. Now go to 16. At the upper part of the wide angle, there was this little thing geometric from 90 degree angle, actually more like 120 degree angle, to the image that I first saw this on, which was further along up at Sol 387. So we now go to number 17. This is what I found when I went looking for a mass scan view of the same object after I spent days and days looking. It appears to be an ancient Martian vehicle of some kind. And on the right, which I decided to make for tonight's banner, was an image that Georgia sent me a few days ago where she sent it to me and she says, that sure looks like a road stretching off into the distance. And that's where the term for tonight's show came from, the Martian Pink Road. Now, is mm -hmm. that a vehicle? Well, Ron and I have had what would be called a lively and spirited discussion. Ron, why don't you tell them what you think this object might be? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, uh, well, there's a slight divergence of opinion on what it looks like. It may be when we look at this, we see, we see a, a little vehicle. Perhaps it could hold the little, my little hedgehog statue that I mentioned. But it, uh, no, I think it is a, uh, I can't find another term for them. Someone with real religion out there could tell me what it is. In churches, you will see along the walls what uh, people would say, oh, baptismal font. You know, in other words, a, a stone bowl uh, cut and smoothed out of, uh, you know, a larger block, which has its own dimensions and structure. Uh, which I act can be alabaster or granite or, you know. Exactly. Exactly. And I sometimes even metal, but rarely. And I, I, I couch it in that confusion because I've seen in churches where there's several of them. And I doubt that they have uh, uh, 12, 12 for the price of two days in baptism. So everybody rushes in to baptize their kid on the same day. I don't think they do those things more than other than one at a time. So I don't know why you'd have several, but sometimes they're fountains. If you can't think of anything else, think of a porcelain drinking fountain with... Um, well, you know, there's the, also uh, receptacles yeah. in Catholic churches for holy water, usually yeah, near that's, the entrance. Yeah, I'm but not sure what not you do big. with it. They're very, well, you basically dip your fingers in the water and you make the sign of the cross on your forehead. Oh, well, I don't go into a lot of those because I'd burst into flames, but uh, the... Um, yeah, I get the, I get the idea. Anyway, it could be something like that. So I think the uh, baptismal vehicle, because <laughs> I, I don't I don't know either. I'm just not sure about the size, but it's definitely something. Well, uh, we don't have to wonder. Science is all about figuring stuff out. So let's go back mm -hmm. to I think it's number ten. Let me yeah number ten. Okay, this is a yeah, close. That's up. an awesome insight about the about the tracks though. That actually gives us a measuring rod. Yes, because it took yeah. me. Days because NASA is hiding this data. They do not yeah. want citizen scientists, anybody 
you know, the great unwashed, all the pejorative terms they think of us. You know, remember my friend Jerry Glenn mm-hmm. and in-house language can become outhouse language. They talk about us, and I don't mean me personally. I mean just us, the general public, mm-hmm. the people who are funding them. They talk about us inside in very, very, very derogatory terms because we're just their source of funding to do whatever they want with no real public accountability. So I eventually, through jumping through a million hoops, found the scale, found the ability on the other NAVCAM images from a totally different angle to find out where my reputed Martian car might be. And lo and behold, sitting halfway between the ruins, you can see in the distance on the wide angle NAVCAM, very greenish looking shot. I'll get to the green part in a minute. With the arrow on number 10 going from where the rover was sitting on Sol 386 when the NAVCAM image was taken, there is a beautiful rectangular thingy which looks like a vehicle. Why? Perseverance and curiosity are both 10 foot long, 9 foot wide rectangular vehicles, which by the way are brilliant white which have been photographed with this spacecraft, MRO, Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter, from orbit looking down repeatedly during the uh, one-year mission of Percy and the multi-year mission going back, I think, to 2003 of Curiosity. If you look at that object carefully, it fits all the parameters. It's in the right place. It's the right geometry. When you factor in the, uh, the foreshortening from the other point of view, and the fact that you're looking at a mass cam image and you can use the actual scale. Let's, uh, let's go back now to number nine. All right. If you look in the lower left-hand corner, and these are very big, I got to figure out how to size these so they fit neatly on the screen. Keith, you can help me with that off the air sometime. Hmm. There is a 100 meter scale in the bottom left. All you do is put a ruler on that, then you know, scroll right to the distance between where Sol 386 is, where Sol 387 is at the top. You measure the length of those lines with that scale, and it tells you that this object, this vehicle, this whatever it is, is located almost 200 feet out there from Sol 386 photo location, and at that distance, its angular size and everything, if you measure it, which I did several times, it is 14 and a half feet long. I have never, ever encountered a 14, 15 foot long baptismal font in any church anywhere in the world that I've gone into. No, it's a vehicle. And now that we have the precise dimensions, we can, we can give Tim the coordinates he can produce in the computer a wonderful 3D reconstruction for next Saturday night, Sunday morning, his time. Give him a week's notice, one picture, that's all we need. Remember how he did the so-called pump from Curiosity several years ago? Anyway, what this is all about is it goes back to a conversation that you, John, and I had last weekend, right? And what was the thesis of our one of our disagreements? The size of the Martians, right? Oh, yes. Well, if they're driving 14, 15 foot long vehicles, and frankly, from the uh, NAVCAM view, 
it looks like an F-150, you know, a Ford. <laughs> if they're driving something of that dimensions, they're not, as John said, one-inch high Martians. Science is nothing if it isn't a technique of eventually determining the truth. And tonight we've got the data and we're going to run with it. And now we've got two data points because it seems very odd to me that Martians would be driving around in 14 long pickup trucks and they'd be trying to get through three foot high doorways over at Gale Crater. Yeah, that sounds like a Darwin Award winner. Uh, <laughs> the uh, Do you know, are the wheels on Curiosity the same width? Yes. Oh, no, they're actually, I kept going and looking and looking and they said yeah. cute things like, well, the ones on Percy are 20.7 inches diameter and they're slightly larger than the uh, the wheels on Curiosity by literally 0.7 inches. I didn't want to know that. And they talk about the treads, the wavy pattern and the gripping and all. I want to know the damn tread width. They never, right. ever, ever. I actually finally had to do the damn calculation myself. I said, okay, Hoagland, I just need a side and a front view. I can measure. I know the the height, the width of the the diameter of the wheel is 20.7 inches. Obviously, if I can get that scaled, then I can derive the the width, uh, you know, instantly. And they would make references like to and slightly slimmer than the Curiosity wheels. Never for an agency which lives and dies on numbers do they put a number out there for how damn wide the treads are. Why? Because it's a clue to scale. They do not want the great unwashed public to ever know. And if you put something behind enough filters, they'll never figure it out because, frankly, Internet folks tend to be a little bit lazy. Actually, you may, yeah, the, the whole thing makes a solid point because they do mention on occasion – I haven't seen it relative to Percy yet, but the, uh, uh, the, they have mentioned uh, that business about the treads from the rover are there to uh, aid in a sense of scale. And then they never say what that sense of scale or scale measurement yielded. But, you know, we're supposed to know that when we see a picture that's got tracks in it, it's not just showing whether it rained recently, right? you know, how, how muddy looking it is. But that is there. Uh, it's like unrolling a carpenter's uh, exactly. measuring and see, tape one of, the, one of the weirdest things about the Apollo missions, which kind of rang my chimes, over and over again, you'd hear the astronauts. And, of course, I'm, you know, they're watching live every every microsecond on live television downlink from the moon they keep complaining there are no telephone poles there are no mailboxes there is no sense of scale you have no idea what you're looking at because there's no sense of perspective well the rovers bring with them an automatic sense of scale which nasa has assiduously like with the atmosphere spent a lot of years trying to cover up so unless you're really 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 determined Reminds me of that old Marin joke, you know, how many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb in Marin County, Northern California? Only one. But the light bulb really has to want to change. Well, unless you really, really, really want to know the tread width of the Percy or Curiosity rover wheels, you ain't going to find it because they buried the sucker. But I found them, 
and you. everything falls into place. The truck is 14 and a half feet long, and if it's being driven by one-inch high Martians, John, it takes a lot of them to make one trip to the grocery store. So you're saying it's too big to be a baptismal because they could uh, baptize a whole litter of Martians at once. <laughs> a cubby? No, it's, it's, it's yeah. a cubby of quail. A cubby of Martians? Yeah. Actually, no, yeah, it'd be a, yeah. See, what I find so amusing, and the reason I played Judy Garland at the top of the show, and we're talking about the Martian Pink Road, is, of course, this is the land of Oz. This mm-hmm. is the stable land of Oz, everybody. And the munchkins... We're Martians. Now, the really interesting conundrum, and I don't know the answer to this, that vehicle out there, it has not wheels, it has bogies. What's a bogey? Well, tank treads or armored personnel carrier treads are bogies. They are all-purpose vehicles. They can go over mud, rock, sand, whatever. You know, very efficient locomotion, right? Suppose... That is a vehicle left over from one of the last Martian expeditions of Earthlings returning to Mars to try to seek answers to where we really came from and was just left there as part of the last expedition to Jezero. Well, that would tell us that that car, that vehicle, is only, this sounds weird, 30,000 years old which on Mars time is like hmm. just yesterday, given okay, that the atmosphere is, is, is right. one. Okay, well, so you got to gotcha. give me a little more warning here. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we are going to pause because I'm kind of on a roll tonight. I think we are approaching what I would call critical mass, meaning that something is moving in the culture. Something is trying very hard to be liberated, to breathe free, to speak down the corridors of time to who we are and how the hell did we get ourselves in this position? In other words, as I've been saying for year after year and decade after decade, since I began this long journey down this Martian road, this is the only thing big enough, I think, to literally save humanity. We shall return. The other side is midnight.com. Tune in to listen to Richard C. Hogland 
and his fascinating guests. Support the broadcast and don't miss another groundbreaking conversation. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. Listen to past episodes anytime on any device. Search the archives of over 180 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com. I mean, just imagine that we wake up tomorrow morning and some authority figure, either the head of NASA or the president or a Senate panel or maybe the secretary general or who knows, makes the announcement that ancient artifacts have been found on a nearby world, a world accessible to all nations participating in this huge international expedition to go and find the origins of humans themselves because it looks like the science says the data is available to decide and discern and to know if in fact we are heirs to a much more extraordinary heritage than hitherto we've ever even been allowed to imagine let alone dream, let alone realize. Imagine what could happen to the world. I mean, you remember it was Gorbachev and Reagan who got together in Reykjavik and the conversation that we now know from recorded transcripts is that Reagan said to Gorbachev, if we found that we weren't alone, if there's somebody out there, all our petty differences would be put aside and we would unite against the common unknown. I mean, it doesn't have to be a threat. All it has to be is the potential of an unknown danger, an unknown potential, an unknown possibility. And humans would realize that they share much more in common with each other than whatever could still be out there. Before we go to calls, and I want to dip into our mailbag, I haven't said that in a while, and read some of these amazing responses, I want to do one last thing. Um, Let me go back to my section of Radio with Pictures, which means I have to rearrange some screens here. It says live radio, folks. Get rid of that. I want you all to look at my number 18. And, oh, it's really big, really big. Okay, stand. if you're on a small screen, you can hold your hand. If you're on a big, if you're at home on a computer, you know, kind of sit back. Ron? Yes? Look at that pillar. You mean on the, right, on the, on the left, left side? The only pillar yeah. on the screen. Look mm-hmm. at all those hieroglyphs, faces, 
carvings, intimations of information, of content, of communication. Yeah, right. Earthquake fault. Really? Uh, yeah. I believe me. I would love to. I would love to be able to analyze some of the stuff that I've seen in a lot of pictures. Well, uh, let's the, focus uh, just and, on this one. No, I know. I'm saying that it's yeah, it's just short of what you'd need to determine anything. You can see, you know, uh, entire faces. I mean, I the uh, what you're calling it the ramp. You know, I just the the well entry um, entrance, particularly even in hospitals where they have you know, wheelchair ramps. In fact, I think under federal law now, <clears throat> every public establishment has to have easy access for people in wheelchairs. It oh, looks, I'm sure it does. It looks yeah. like, it just looks like an order, except I think it's been eroded so that it used to be smooth and what's now sticking up used to be under glass and you used uh, to glide up there or walk up uh, there. Okay, well, we can diverge there. I think it's terrazzo. Because I've seen that before. They loved, uh, they loved mosaic tile floors, much like the crea- the um, uh, folks on Crete or the yeah. Except um, this thing is three dimensional up near the door itself. If there's that face that Robert first saw, and I know now is multiple faces, you know. And again, yeah. we, we need more we need more resolution, better you know latitude in the camera. But it's it's so tantalizingly close, and you can imagine the quality of the imagery they're looking at inside. Again, part of what I'm so upset about is that they're doing all this, having all this fun with our money. The American Mm -hmm. people deserve to know what's there, and because it will have such a catalytic effect on everything going on on Earth tonight that is going wrong by causing a great pause, a great, oh my God, a great, who are we really, a great well, I share far more in common with him or her than I do with it. And when confronted by an unknown, we know historically, traditionally, in every way possible, people get together. The petty stuff falls away. Gorbachev and Reagan said it. If this was real, how much did they really know? Then everything else would be put in a different context and humans would move forward. We're stuck. We're dying in a closed system, like uh, uh, Joseph Farrell and I used to talk about, closed versus open systems. We must open the system or we're going to die, either from ourselves or from natural catastrophe or a combination. You know, it was uh, over 100 here just two weeks ago in June, early June. And we have people dying of the heat. Something has to change. There has to be some sort of a rule book that they're following. And it's, we, uh, it's kind of hard to suss out because the, uh, one of the things that's been ever since they've had rovers, uh, there's been this strange contradictive, uh, contradictory duality where sometimes they run right over something and crush it. The infamous crinoid incidents early on with the um, uh, opportunity, I guess it was. No, no, uh, it, 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 was, it was spirit, spirit rover. Spirit, spirit. Okay, yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, it said, oh no, no, we can't have that. Crunch, 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 crunch. And other times, 
they are so deferential to what's on the ground. Now they're saying that there's nothing there. You know, there's just miscellaneous rocks and architect and no architecture. And yet sometimes they're very, very careful not to muss stuff up, stuff up. And it must mean something, you know, like they could have run over it, but they didn't, they made a wide detour or they even drove all around it. Or, 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 like or, 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 if this in my model, is the purview of the secret insider elite. In other words, they yeah. know from the bloodlines of the DNA and all that, they are the Martians, but we're not supposed to know. So you've got an in crowd and an out crowd. Then the things you do not destroy are the things that are sacred to your DNA. We're special and you're not Chevy Chase religion. So that's, I think, why they avoid certain things because in their purview, they're sacred. They're part of their identity and how special they are. Well, I hate to reference things that we can't point people at immediately, but practically everybody out there that's interested enough to listen to a show like this is probably familiar with several years ago there was that incident with finding a femur on uh, – Curiosity did this, you know, finding a bone on um, Mars and – they took a fair number of pictures of it. I mean, they couldn't go over and pick it up. So, you know, they, um, uh, but they went all around it and they took multiple shots to get the light, get all the lighting possible, you know, and the, uh, so there's, there's, and they, you can do an enhanced version that's got, you know, takes advantage of the adjacent images and shows the whole site. And it looks to me when you do that, it looked like a burial site that had gotten exposed, you know, and not all, not all graves are uh, fortresses, you know, so they, uh, but in any case, that they left alone. The crinoid, they crunched. Human bones because are left there. The, the crinoid wasn't directly related to any of the in crowd, and the bones may have been somebody's grandmother. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's, it's the feeling <laughs> you get. And I mean, that goes for other things. I mean, there are, there are things that uh, I look at them and say, oh, that's an interesting uh, sculpture. Mark, you know, you and guys. and they'll do the same thing there. Other times they they won't. So it, that's okay, one of the excuse mysteries. me. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, we have uh, Robert Morningstar. I was just about Ruggiero to introduce us. him. Rogero, are you with us? I'm with you as well. Yeah. Okay, why don't you talk a bit about because you're the guy who did the sketch that blew my mind on the on the femur on Mars. Go for it. Yeah. Bingo. <laughs> okay. Um, thinking where to start. Um. I'll start with the bad stuff first. Um, it's not quite clear enough in the resolution to bring out absolutely all the detail that uh, I saw in there. Now you have to stare at it for a bit um, to get uh, your, your clearest idea. But you talking about the posted version here? No, I haven't put the bone on today. I haven't put the bone. Oh, here. okay. All right. All right. Talk about it. So yeah, you fair to- enough. You just have to stare at it for a little bit longer. All you have to and do is Google bone on Mars and a million images will come up. Yeah, my, including my sketches. Including your sketches, on. yes. Yeah, we put it on before. But what mm-hmm. you can, the first thing you can see on the, on the top section is um, the perforations that you would see in bone. So bone looks almost uh, spongy. Ah. Mm-hmm. Which um, would be uh, what? Capillaries in, in the bone? Arthritis. Yeah. It, 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 no, no, no. 
you know, bone, bone is... Um, it, bone is has to be porous. It, it's where blood is produced. It has to be porous. So you can see the, the porous detail on the, on the top section. I call it like the lip. And then as you get down through the structure, you can see the torsion as if you, you would see on the femur like we, we discussed, Richard. Uh, you, you can also see the, there's like there's a joint facet at the top. And then back down through the structure, you can see where the muscles would um, be attached onto it. And at the base, I thought, well, is that like an arthritic or a damaged type joint or not? Another thing, I mean, it's one of the clearest images uh, that NASA produced um, of all, all this type of research work that we're doing. Um, other stuff is vague and it's a bit abstract and it's like, am I seeing it? Am I not? But not with a bone. It's really, really clear. I can't understand why. Now, people need to know. People need to know that your medical background is you're a bone guy. You're a podiatrist. You, I'm a podiatrist. You, you so deal with you deal with bones and human bones every day of the week and twice on Sundays. So, here's my question: Have hmm. you ever thought to do what I call the double blind test, where you show a colleague the hmm. picture, like uh, like Andrew did with the architect in, uh, in in Canada the other night? You show them the picture. You ask them, what do you think it is? <clears throat> they tell you, and then you tell them where it is. And then you have your stopwatch out to see how fast they can run. I've, I've done it, Richard. And? Yeah, conversation stopper. They're all... <laughs> about yeah. nine out of ten said it's a bone. And then I was, one of them's like, looks like a stick um, or a rock. And then they've all gone, hmm, and changed the conversation. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. This is crazy. Where yeah, are people's curiosity? Where is their yeah. imagination? Where is their sense of wonder? Yeah, I mean, I go back to your statement that Asimov's, uh, you know, science is looking for, for error. Error, I, error I'm, yes. I'm not going to agree with everything that everybody says, you know, on here, because some stuff can look natural, some stuff not. And that's our job to pull it apart and say, well, what, what's going on? What, uh, what are the things that concern me about the, the Mars bone area is it looks like the rover had driven around had a good smash up of what was going on because I actually think there's a second bone that looks like it's been fractured um, and it's like so they drove went, over a gravesite by accident and then went oh whoops or there's is there an arm on there that you can uh, with a saw on it or anything where you can go and move stuff around uh, they, they had alright we're talking curiosity yeah. No, they didn't have a way to pick it up. No, no, pincers. No, no. Well, they could have improvised something. Come on, NASA's really good at improvising. Mm-hmm. But if you, it, it, if you have an articulable much. arm, you've got, you know, you can like, you know how you can basically put peas in your mouth by putting them on your, on your, on your, on your knife, you know, mm-hmm. a flat bread knife. You mm-hmm. can make do with what you got if you want to do something. And obviously they did things in private. We'll never well until the you know the deluge comes and it all comes out. We will not know what they've been doing secretly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what if they reached for that bone, pulled it, pulled it up a little bit, and it was and it not it pulled up or pushed up along with it a piece of a pelvis? Then it would then it would confound the problem. I don't think they wanted to mess with it. No, I mean there's. Uh, I just got to try and bring up the image on my my laptop, so I just got a reference for myself. A reference, but it, there's score lines around the bone structure, 
like the bits look like they've been lifted up. Ah. Yeah. See, this is what expert eyes are valuable for because you <clears> see things that mm. uh, only you would recognize. I see things only I – in other words, each of us is looking at this. Yeah. Andrew, and what's really intriguing, and I'm going to run this probably toward the end of the show, I have this test that I want to use, Rogero, I want to use you as a kind of a model for. I have a weird, wacky idea. Mm-hmm. So continue, please. Oh, right. I lost my train of thought. So I'm looking at my side-by-side comparison of the bone we've got on other, other shows. Um, and straight through the middle of bone structure is like this piece of dirt that looks like it's all been moved uh so as a like as an archaeologist if or if an archaeologist was going to go and look at this site yeah mm-hmm. you, you wouldn't want to tamper with what's going on around you and if it had been you could say whether it was done recently or a very long time ago if it was right. part of the geology or if oh someone came in last week look you can see they've moved some up mm-hmm and that's what's happened. That, that's what got my suspicions about that that image, that bigger image. Like someone's gone in there. And so you concur that they were very careful with it, like an archaeologist would be, not just like a lumbering little tractor. Um, they've definitely been careful around the bone, but long yes. as it looks like they were less careful. See, my I mean, impression, I, my impression, guys, was. They're tooling along, tooling along, and they just roll, like out here in the desert, New Mexico, mm-hmm. you know, Native Americans used to just bury people anywhere. And you would have yep. what's called random burial sites, and you, you run across them. I think that's what they did with Curiosity, and it was like, whoops. Then they realized what they'd done, and they were very careful and did, did no further damage. But it was, it was, I don't think it was intentional, because I don't think they have a map showing where things Folks are buried on Mars no. after 30,000. No, I don't think so. Yeah, Rogero, I got a question for you. You, got, um, you have a medical eye especially for bone-type things. Did you see anything that could have been tooth marks? Oh. Where, where, oh, on the, I see where you're getting at. Um, yeah. Martian no. hyenas. Martian, as in a hyena has gone and eaten a creature. Mm-hmm. Well, remember the people that the Anastasi supposedly battled to uh, down to the last exterminating the last of them were giants that were also cannibals. Mm. It's part of our heritage. Yeah, yeah. They had yeah. their own ver- version of um, uh, ferns. I, I need to get the bigger image because there's more stuff around it. If I look just at the bone, no, mm-hmm. but I don't, okay, it, it just looks regular. But I, I'm going to put this point out there to you guys is. Why have other medics and you know geologists not put their pound of flesh out there? Exactly. Because the only the only thing out there that I've seen on Earth that can even closely resemble the bone is flint. Now, it, bits can look quite similar. Um, when, you, when, flint, when, when you say flint, you mean the uh, mineral. Yeah, so it's white on the surface, and then when you cut it, it's black through the middle. Ah. Yeah, hmm, no, it's a bone. No, no. I definitely wrong. It's, yeah. it's, it's it's a, but you raise the question again. We have something called the Internet, global social media. Everybody knows everything about who's sleeping with whom, because most of the time they, they boast about it now. Why aren't other medical people 
who have access through this little gadget they hold in their hand to any photograph from NASA on any planet in the solar system, why, when it was the rage, would they look at that and go, holy catnip, Batman, that's a bone on Mars? Nothing. Deafening silence. Yeah, why wouldn't you go in and take a slightly closer, higher resolution picture? I mean, it's good. It's a very good image. It's far better than... um, most of the other stuff that well they have what's called the mali camera which is frankly the best damn color camera on the curiosity rover it's a companion by the watson camera in the sherlock you know sherlock holmes and watson mm-hmm. package on percy the mali camera could have done such an exquisite close-up synoptic montage of imagery on yeah. all sides so- i mean i i drool at the thought of the kind of data they could have have and probably do have that they have not shared because as someone decades ago said there's a political art form to this it's called the limited hangout where you put just enough stuff out and um uh robert uh posted the bone picture we ought to put that up in in Ruggiero's section tonight Keith, again where they put just enough stuff out to get some people interested but not everybody and certainly not enough to be definitive so that you you basically satisfy the really curious but you don't trigger the middle of the curve that would make a political difference so what's it's an art form yeah i agree what's the resolution and pixelation on that camera uh, and compare it to say an iphone iphone 8 oh a thousand times better good god no comparison Hell, we spent two well, what are you talking about? What you, which mass, one is a thousand the, times better? The, the, the mass cams on Percy and Curiosity compared to a smartphone. Mm, yeah, but, it's kind of like comparing a bear to a uh, an alligator. You know, I mean, they're the because all of those cameras are ultimately framing cameras. You know, they're scanners, not not snappers, and so they. Um, uh yeah it's it's very adjustable but the resolution is quite high it's very good on the very good on the bone images well yeah. if they use the mali which is an acronym they could have yeah, gotten they to, they could have got well that we know of see i am firmly in in keith laney's camp when laney created his website the hidden mission mm-hmm. he struck an incredible nerve because i think from the get-go nasa's had two missions the real one the reason we're spending billions 20 billion dollars i think now per year on quote space civilian and unknown numbers of billions maybe even up toward trillions in the secret space program and we give people pablum is because there's two separate tracks the public nasa is the one we're all supposed to pay attention to while the real nasa is busily finding out how the hell we're related to the martians I mean, you know what yeah. I do with it? If I run, if, if I yeah, go, Ruggiero. Can you speak up a little? You're you're not you're not as uh, well. His his sprint connection is terrible this morning. I'm thinking oh, maybe okay. right. maybe in the next commercial uh, break we might uh, recall Ruggiero. You know, reconnect because sometimes that's all, right. all it takes is to it's clap. it's fine. I just want to I, I do go ahead, please, Ruggiero. <laughs> yeah, so I just took my, my final point. So this is what I do. I think the bone issue is so contentious and so important for for humanity that I would spend because if, if they can't go back with the current rover I'd send a new one 
you know, it'll cost a billion mm-hmm. dollars to the taxpayer to go back to the exact spot with a, you know, better camera and go and zoom in on that, that bone. And uh, mm-hmm. so we can confirm, otherwise people are going to be skeptical like me. Well, they did find another one. You know, it's, it's a, how long ago, what year or how long ago at least was that picture taken of the bone? Uh, I don't know, two, three years ago. Um, I think more than that, but it was a while back. And just last year, I found another one. I sent it to you. Yeah, yeah. I think about 2014, 2015. Yeah, that's quite a while ago. And the, uh, yeah, and just the, uh, like I said, just last year, I happened to stumble across another one. And that one, no tracks around it, nothing else. Obviously, there's something else going on there, but there's just this bone sticking out. That one, it's actually sticking out a little bit, but it's another one just like that one. And I don't think it's right next to it. Very good. But this, this curiosity bone one, the one we're talking mm-hmm. about, is by far best piece of evidence out there we've got the other ones i've highlighted i just wrote them down while i was taking some notes on the show is that, that yeah the other one's got like a greenish background that's how the dirt came out as yeah. it were yeah yeah this little list that i've just made about stuff that's so we've got vague and it's down to interpretation and then we've got mm-hmm. that like definite science and there's you have to go and take another picture so i've got the pump house which uh tim did the, the sketch on We've got that pipe sticking out the wall that I highlighted last week. Right. We've got the bone. Obviously, we've got the cop, the doorway, and we've got the coral. They're like clear, clear, clear bits of stuff that needs further investigation. Um, and I'm happy to draw stuff again. Well, I think there's a medical picture you might not have seen because there's another one that has what looks to me like half of a skull, not a human skull. Uh, in in it, but apart from that, there's some scattered stuff around, and so it looks like vertebra, you know. But I'm not a doctor, but it looks like a bunch of little wishbones lying around on the uh, ground there. Okay, guys, this can go on for days, and it probably should. Yes. But I need to do a couple housekeeping things. One is Robert has joined us, so when we come back from the break, we're going to have a report on what's going on with China claiming they're listening in eavesdropping on aliens. What's that all about? And then I really do want to read some of these responses to my appearance on Coast and last weekend talking about the door because they're amazing and they're unfiltered and they're real people, real taxpayers, some of them, at least here, but we're getting responses from all over the world. And again, it's running. if, if this was like a poll and NASA was a political institution that was somewhat susceptible to public opinion, which it's not, there would be obvious reasons for NASA to do everything they could, turn handsprings, to make what they've got public, because it would be a gold card. And the very fact that they haven't and will not has told me from a long time ago that the fix is in, and this is the one area they can't do what they normally would do, which is to exploit the hell out of it and get Americans to pay for huge incredible missions, all of which will change when someone lands an uncensored camera either on the moon, in close lunar orbit, or on Mars. And that's going to happen with the moon literally beginning Monday when the uh, uh, cornerstone mission, uh, a capstone rather, uh, takes off and could give us an astounding new window on what's really out there. Okay, we are 
literally at the bottom of the hour. Don't want to blow past this break. My guests this morning are uh, Ron Gerbron, Ruggiero, and Keith, of course, is with us, Keith Morgan. And Robert Morningstar has joined us. We're going to have a report about the Chinese and aliens. So stay tuned. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. The other side of midnight.com. Talk radio with pictures on demand. Liberate your hyperdimensional time scale and non linearly access over 400 hours of conversation at the cutting edge of science and thought. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive content that fits your interests and time schedule. Filter episodes by guest or subject. Membership costs $9.95 a month, $0.33 a day. Listen while you travel or as an environment for your endeavors. $0.08 an episode, $0.02.5 per hour of content. The other side of midnight.com. And now, without further ado, our correspondent, not quite in Beijing, but pretty damn close. Robert, what did you find out? Have the Chinese uh, really I, opened I found, hailing frequencies? Yeah, I found out some interesting things. I found out interesting things. But before I do that, I just want to say, um, I think Ron is a psychic. I checked out that bone, and I just sent you the best picture of that uh, femur that I've ever seen, and it does look like uh, something was gnawing the meat off the side of there. Yeah, unless the rover wheels ran over it and crushed it. No, 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 these are not rover wheels. Check it out. It's near near the head of the femur, and there are three sections that have nothing to do with tires. Okay, tell you what, you need to share data with Ruggiero, because he's the bone expert in the group. Yeah, and also, not far from that, there's a curved bone that uh, reminds me of a possibility of a rib. It's partly buried. I don't see uh, the facet uh, connection, the facet, but there is a curved bone to the left of that giant, the femur bone that could be a rib. Then I want to say that uh, Keith did a fantastic job with the comparisons, uh, the Utah uh, compositions, especially when you lift it off, when you lift it off the, um, the Egyptian 
it looks like Nefertiti, really, when she's floating right up there above the sky. So good job on that. And, of course, Ron and I had a lot of fun uh, talking about the uh, the dragon sticking its head out of the uh, out of the side of the cliff there. Uh, with regard to the Chinese, a very interesting thing has happened. Well, you know that they came out and said they picked up signals. I'm hearing a little echo. Um, they came out and said they picked up signals that were possibly from E.T., Mm-hmm. And, and of course, NASA and everybody ganged up on them and pissed on their fires. <laughs> and so now they retrenched a bit, and it's reminding me of the excuses that NASA made for the music of the moon that the Apollo astronauts heard on the far side of the moon. The Apollo oh, 10 yes, Apollo 10. Right? Apollo 10, they went on the other side of the moon, and they, they were hearing things that nobody should be hearing because there's supposed to be no radio signals on the other side. So they were saying, oh, there's a sideband interference and all that crap. Anyway, Zhang Tongjie, a Chinese extraterrestrial intelligence expert at Beijing Normal University, who took part in the research, told Newsweek, quote, I did not say it was an extraterrestrial ET signal. These signals are from radio interference. They are due to radio pollution from Earthlings, not from ET. The technical term we use is RFI, radio frequency interference. RFI can come from cell phones, TV transmitters, radar, satellites, as well as electronics and computers near the observatory that produces a weak radio signal or weak radio transmissions, unquote. My God, the lady <laughs> does protest too much, Just you know? Tad. We're all headlines. But it sounds so much better in, in high Mandarin. <laughs> Okay, I don't want to speak Did Chinese. Did you just right. say BS on the air? No, no, oh, no. Good, good. Okay, I, okay. I just said uh, in Chinese, I don't really want to speak Chinese right now because I'm having too much fun with this uh, demural. This okay, so we don't have a lot of time, and I do want to get to these letters. What's the bottom yeah, okay. line? Were the Chinese the telling the truth? Is, the Did they get stepped they on? They bottom line is they picked up something, and since everybody ganged up on them, they just backed off, and they're going to keep whatever they got to themselves and say, okay, yeah, it was radio interference. That's what I think. This this statement, for him to make this statement after being so bombastic the first time, it's just um, I think it's a ploy to hide what they really have, and they're not going to. They, that was the reaction that NASA and space and everybody else gave them. They say. You know, they're giving us the finger. Forget it. We're not going to Well, remember, the Chinese are basically, and this is very culturally uh, specific, they turn out to be damn paper tigers. I don't care about Mao and the party and all that. These guys are cowards, and I can tell you why. They boasted, Ron, you'll back me up on this, a year or two ago in a poster that they were going to go to Mars with Zerung, their rover and lander and all that. They were going to land, and they were going to basically show... Alien ruins. How do we know? Because they stole one of the curiosity montages of one of these collapsed arcologies, put it in the background to a 3D model of the Zerong rover that they landed last year in the foreground, took a shot, spread it all over the world. And then when they landed in a place with stunning, weird ruins buried, and they Mm could have gone right up and looked at them. They ran yeah. at warp nine, which for their little rover is about, you know, a tenth of a mile per day or something. Yeah, right. Well, I, I agree that they are big fake years. Let's not forget the first Chinese spacewalk 
that they uh, televised, and we could see the bubbles of air going up in the swimming pool. So <laughs> that's how did that's I miss I, that? Can you send me that video? I'd love to see that. Oh, uh, it's, it's quite a while ago. Well, we'll see if we can find it. But that was one of the proofs. When they and they quickly tried to clean it up, but uh, that gave the whole thing away. You know? But anyway, I, I actually think they may have gotten something. They didn't like the reaction of NASA and the, the Western media. And they're saying, okay. Oh, yeah. poor babies. Oh. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, it's, I, I give think me you're a being break. too kind. There is yeah. something really otherworldly happening in China. And I just put, published a very long article on Substack. I have a Substack.RobertMorningstar uh, newsletter. And it has to do with the collusion of the Catholic Church with the Chinese and covering up the international organ harvesting industry that they've developed. So um, that's why I'm late, and uh, that's really rather alien to me. It is, and that opens up a whole new can Mm -hmm. of, pardon the expression, worms. And we will deal with that in a future show. Look, I've got to get to these letters, otherwise they're going to come and take me away. Uh, I'm going to try to do this consecutive. This was sent on June 17th. Remember, I was on coast the night of the 16th. This is one from Michael. I think you are a little bit too easily taken in or obsessed with convincing yourself of your own delusion. Any picture put out there by NASA is always possible disinformation and hard to swallow. Tick, tock, tick, tock. Okay. That kind of stands Mm -hmm. on its own. I would think that's a, what I find amazing is that he, he doesn't think we're paranoid enough about NASA. Hmm. Okay, this is from Lawrence. These doors are cut. Not sure who did them. Short and sweet. Okay, here's one from Andrew. Uh, no relation to our Andrew. Mr. H, perhaps many of your theories are in fact true. The doorway view appears too reliable a depiction to be allowed to surface for public consumption. Seems to me this clear picture would have been destroyed well prior to your appearance tonight on C2C. All right. This person obviously doesn't get the idea of what I proposed before, which is a ritual calendar. That the idea is to keep us in the dark, keep us in the dark, keep us in the dark until the right time when the celestial alignments and the physics all conspire to allow them to bring out a sanitized version of the truth under the aegis that they are infinitely smarter than we are. They have all the money, more money than God. They can control, as they say, the narrative. And so they can do what back in the Nixon years was called the limited hangout and get away with it. And in that model, the doorway was not a leak It was part of another, are they ready? Will they accept what we say? In other words, it was a real-time test. And by the way, when I read all this stuff, I want you to all respond with your own impressions if they're rather, you know, different than mine. And there's none. Okay. Oh, I thought you meant the correspondence. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, folks. Okay. Fill up the inbox. So, so we will – yeah, I definitely want these cards and letters to keep coming in. Okay, Ray 616 presentation on Martian Doorway. This is from Patrick. I believe this is what it appears to be, an artificial construction. By the way, is someone taking notes? How many yeses, how many noes? A doorway. Why? Occam's razor 
First of all, why argue it is anything other than what the mind immediately identifies it to be? Also, the squared off lineal edges of the doorway would be hard, if not impossible, to explain by natural causes. We need to get men, or at least advanced robots with AI, to this very site to enter through the doorway and explore further. And then, so good to hear you again on Coast to Coast AM. Like there's another mystery. Hmm? I have a comment on that. Oh, by all means. I think your picture number 18 was really great. Isn't it astonishing? It's really great. And you know why? One is that you brought out the image of the hawk that I saw first. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that really stands out, the hawk. And it, you can even see it die. But the texture of the wall now corresponds more closely to the right side picture that Gary shared with me uh, at that first show. So there is consistency in the in the uh, decoration, let's call it that. You call them hieroglyphics. Mm-hmm. And that edge, the front edge of the pillar, if you want to call it that, the flat, the flat white edge uh, at the entrance on the left side, that came out really great. But uh, we didn't get to it, but I wanted to sell it to Ruggiero. Ruggiero, that picture number 15 of the Berber cave in India, I've never seen anything that looked more like a landed mothership <laughs> oh, gotta go look at this. Gotta go. Gotta that go I've ever seen on that one. So Pretty this is funny. this is number fifteen up. from Ruggiero, Okay. Yeah, look at that. It looks like a landed mothership with, with the opening, the uh, a circular hatch okay. that the uh, the Hindus. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like, that was my first. Holy I cow! I thought that was. Oh my! It also, you know what it looks like. Oh, guys, Ruggiero, you didn't notice. Remember, in the wide angles of the door, there's all this artistic plating. It looks like the plating over the damn door on Mars. Look above and to the right of your entry into this temple. That same stuff appears as dolphins and fish and other figures in a beautiful modern artistic rendering of three-dimensional lapped, uh, cladding like some like 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 a, like a beaten copper roof, which mm-hmm. I think this might be, but it looks identical to what we're seeing over that doorway. It looks looks pretty similar. And uh, do you my... see? Do you guys see the face mm-hmm. in the upper right section, the middle of the span on the right at the top? No. You know, you see where the door is on on Ruggiero's image, right? In the two o'clock position, top of the ridge. Just keep going. Right there. And there's a gap in the background. It's dark on the top on the left, dark on the top on the right, and between is this facial thingy. See, it's all so subjective. Weird. Okay, moving on. Is the smoothness, the smoothness of the interior, how they were able to polish. You know what it reminds me? It reminds me of the the interior of the Magino line. That is it's incredible. You know, you ever see the tunnels inside? I've never the seen the interior of the Maginot Line. Hmm. Oh, it looks just like this. Well, I'm going to add it to my bucket list. Okay, let's continue. Robert, Lewis says, I like Ruggiero's number two. That's a wonderful comparison there. Ruggiero, you had a, call, a thought? Uh, yeah, uh, my image uh, 17, which Robert's talking about. 17. Is, 17, the inside. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so look at the actual door 
from the inside. It reminds me of like an Arthur C. Clarke type thing. But uh, it really does. Yes, you can see how just look, how beautifully look at, geometric look at how that is. polished it is. Mm-hmm. And but, how but did compare, they do this? Yeah, compare the rectangle That's, to what, was, what we're seeing. Exactly. On, yes. From Mars. But look at that. That this reminds me of Flinders Petrie's description of the facing stones on the Great Pyramid. He said optical opticians work on the level of acres. Well, that's, that's why you've got to get Brian on the show. You know, if Brian would ever be up at this time of night, I don't want to do a tape show. I think yeah. live and radio is the only way to go. I somehow have to drug him and drag him in front of a microphone because he doesn't want to get up early in the morning. So mm-hmm. anyway, uh, let's go back to the letters. Keith, you're watching the time, right? Okay. Uh, this is Lewis. I don't need to think about this for another minute. The pictures from Mars linked on the C2C website are of artificial structures, exclamation point. My father was a police <laughs> officer for 20 years. Yeah, don't you hate these wishy-washy people? And I have the same highly tuned observation skills he did. I've also been interested in geology and architecture for as long as I can remember. And what you said to George was right on. I don't think there's anything in that picture that are real rocks. I had a teacher in high school that said something they, that, that stuck with me ever since. Believe what you see, don't see what you believe. In those photos, Ooh. I like that one. I'm going to steal that one. Yeah. Lewis, you've lost yeah. that one. It's forevermore part of history. Believe what you see, don't see what you believe. In these photos, I see unquestionable architecture. In addition to the almost endless other pictures from Mars and elsewhere other than Earth of it, what, is, what are not natural formations, denial of life on Mars and elsewhere other than Earth is the conspiracy theory. It was fantastic to hear you again on C2C. What a freaking time to be alive. I'm 47, and never did I think I even lived to be 5,000 that I'd live to see a day our government not only would say UFOs are real, but, oh, by the way, they're not top secret stuff or foreign stuff. I think that's a nice guy to get to know. Okay. Any thoughts? Yeah, he's so modest. He I shouldn't know. hold he's, everything he's back just, like it, that. Yeah. He's, he's shy. Yes. Poor, poor guy. He's sitting in the corner. Okay. Okay. Alien hominid. Obviously, this is an anonymous person, I think. Or it could be. There's a lot of water on Mars. That's a fact. That looks like a doorway. Hmm. Have you seen the moon Titan? There is a labyrinth on the surface of Titan, upper right side, near its north pole. There's structures on every planet, probably on every moon. And coming from a guy whose name is Alien Hominid, he is totally correct. Okay, here's one from Lee. Glad to hear your voice again. I'm 76. You've been pushing the truth for years. You see the dots as I do. So that means you just have to kind of hang around long enough. Hmm. All right. This is from Wayne. For some reason, as I look over the different images, I don't feel like I'm comparing apples to apples. Certain boulders and features in one photo do not appear to be present in others. Ron, you want to take that? Hmm. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out 
the meaning. He's saying that they, they look like they're composed and they forgot to put some of the props in place. I think that's what he's uh, saying, and I found the same thing. And what I think they do is they quietly erase features from another angle that are just too damn clear and suggestive, and they know that nobody but us obsessive compulsives will ever check. Yeah, and I don't I, care well, about I, See, I agree with all of that, but uh, I have to say that as a pixel wrangler, I look for that all the time, and I've found perishing little little evidence of it. I think they have a compact by contract uh, to put out the stuff uh, that they take pictures of. Well, wait, 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 wait. I have an example right in front of us, the comparison between the wide-angle nav cam taken from the south and the other angle, 90 plus degrees taken from the north, Saul 386, 387, I cannot find corresponding things on both images. I looked and I looked, and that's what held me back, because if you, if you take away some of the mm-hmm. landscape, nothing will match. So yes, they are erasing selectively some things and just hoping no one will notice, or if they do, who's going to pay attention? Remember, yeah, okay. we're NASA yeah. and you're not. I wonder if Chevy Chase got the idea for that from them. Okay, here's one from Oscar. I think the doorways created by some entities, pause, who may still be on the planet Mars. Very perceptive, Oscar. Okay. And, of course, they also could be walking among us because they are us. We're talking. See, I think the big damn secret, guys, is it's all about family. The thing we're not supposed to ever imagine is this is family. And some members of the family are above, in their view, every other member of the family. Okay, here's one from Terry. Looks like a doorway to me. I do not see how this could be caused in a natural way. Okay. Anybody That's keeping... a real problem NASA has there. <laughs> Anybody keeping track? Uh, okay, this is from Daryl. Saw you once at Buffalo Thunder with your wife. Did not bother you. Oh, I, I guess this is kind of personal. Okay. Yeah. I saw the doorway photo from somewhere like BBC News is where I've been able to get news on USA better than Nancy filtration system in USA. I clearly think it's like crystals that have broken and the stalactite type rock lying in front right of the opening to the white chalk like from around English Channel in the cave showing a clear change in geology. So this is a natural type person. Okay, here's Mike. Hello, Richard. Have you ever heard of Tycho's model of the solar system? I think you should check it out because this new interpretation of Tycho Brahe's well-respected and accurate observations put the Earth on a 25,344-year orbit and of interest to you that this is where Tycho puts us. Mars together with the sun is a binary pair. I'm not sure if this model is correct, but it answers many long-standing questions about planetary motion. And then he gives me a website and a book and all this stuff, and I guess I'll have to check that out. Hmm. Hmm. I'd agree with him on the binary part, but not there. It's uh, yeah, yeah. They most yeah. They as the astronomers have uh, grudgingly uh, revealed, because the evidence always supports it. There's there's more practically more binary star systems out there than not. You know, it sounds like something that would be anomalous, and it seems to be natural. And it happens for planets. You know, whatever Mars was revolving around. Well, remember, Van Flandern's model was that Mars was a double planet, 
that it orbited a, another much more waterlogged kind of Europa equivalent, roughly the same size. And both of these orbited around a much larger, more massive primary, so-called Planet 4. Then Planet 4 was blown to kingdom come in the war. The two, what we now call planets, Mars and this unknown guy, were released into solar orbit. And then 3.2 million years ago, according to Van Flandern's, again, celestial mechanics calculations, the other moon blew up. Uh, I would say hyperdimensional torsion field instabilities because you can't kind of leave your home in a radical way without something bad going wrong. So, yeah, it all kind of fits together. Uh, Van Flandern's overall model was that doubles should be the norm and singlets should be abnormal. And it's so damn bad that he's not here to have all the fun with all the rest of us as we're in the end game. This is it. It is. Yeah. He did. Yeah, he he deserved to be here, even though I and he got uh, that incredible to... developing cancer, which killed him in weeks. And I, of course, incredibly Uh-oh. suspicious. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. I had, but I do have to, but I I do have to say I violate one of his um, uh, one part of his model because I favored a Krypton model that uh, Mars was actually an oversized satellite. Uh, maybe up to the size of a full binary system, uh, revolving, uh, circling, orbiting around something else uh, or another planet, and that's the one that blew up. Was well, it was either one of Superman's uh, relatives, uh, or uh, playing with something he shouldn't have messed with, uh, or you know it could have been a cosmic event. You know I, I can't myself. Uh, I know his math is good, but it's a model. You know, I don't know. It may have been hit by a rogue planet, uh, or it may have been the effect of a war. I don't know how many Death Star moves uh, people make in their stellar wars, because I've never been in one, but it mm. uh, seems like it would be rare. But in any case, Mars was left on its own and had to settle into a new orbit. And all the destruction and the uh, uh, disarray that we see on Mars is consistent with Mars having had to settle into a new orbit, because, you know, it can't have earthquakes like we do because it hasn't got any tectonic plates mm-hmm. it's a big solid shell nope. pretty much you and so it uh, that's uh one uh, this is relevant to this or i wouldn't drag anybody else back there there was one frame that i tried to get it uh i tried to do a a better job on it but uh it uh, i didn't get it to keith in time uh, but number six has something on it that I think matters. Number six in my stuff, in Ron's stuff, somebody that doesn't know who the hell this is talking right now. Uh, and it's you see, there's a bunch of stuff, and there's there, but look at the sky behind it. There's dazzle, you know, like the like it was almost pointing into the sun or something. Yeah. But it wasn't. It wasn't. You can tell that by the. Oh shadow, yeah, yeah. This is from that upper. The, this is from the same Sauls we were talking about before, three eight six and three eight seven. And you're looking yeah, and south, that, and there's definitely something blocking sunlight, scattering sunlight, causing dazzle, glare, whatever you want to call it, from this northerly position, looking south across the floor of Jezero from near the near near the delta. And I don't know what it is yet. Yeah, and it's not a camera effect because oh, no, it no. doesn't extend all the way down the frame, nope, which you know nope. I would accept from the dazzle model. No, 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 it's, no. This it's is something just over the ridge. Yeah. It's something between where we are and the rim of the crater, which is tens of miles away. 
Okay, we are running out of time. Yeah. And I do want oh, no. to get to another, I know, well, we can do this all next next weekend. I want to do another couple more of these because, again, the overwhelming number of responses that are in the affirmative, uh, Your Honor, are, are pretty impressive. Uh, dear Richard Hoagland, as far as our take on the photos, it looks like a door or a door into a spacecraft or a door into an old pyramid. And we agree with you on all the photos. The good day to you and your family, Charles and Pamela in Tiger, no, Tigard, King City, Oregon. We get them from all over. So, mm. all right, here's one from Brad. Oh, this is, but we're going to do this again next week. Uh, Richard, I heard you on Coast last night examine the pictures of the door. I believe it may be an alluvial sand erosional feature. The door could be a naturally occurring geological drainage feature through sedimentary rock. The sedimentary buildup at the upstream end of the ramp looks like a typical alluvial fan. Hopefully, more higher quality pictures will shed more light on this fascinating mystery, to which I will say, Brad, when pigs have wings, we will get those pictures (laughs) from NASA. I say boo to that. (laughs) Well, he's he's not. You say what? I said boo to that. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Uh, We've got about a couple minutes here. Okay. Uh, Let's kind of wrap up and and look toward next weekend. What would we like to know by next week? Where are we on this uh, weird, you know, what are they up to and why aren't they telling us what's going on? Lottery numbers. Lottery numbers. Oh, okay. You asked me what I'd like to know before next week. Oh, I mean. Oh, by the way, next week, next week I, I want to talk about uh, submarinean life on Mars and uh, snake possibilities. You know that uh, I believe that Mars may have had a humanoid race versus a reptilian race, and that was the source of the conflict. And I want to just add one more thing about uh, Ruggiero's uh, number fifteen, which was fascinating. I said it looks like a mothership landed, but it also looks like a giant snake slithering by. So that's a hint as to what I'll be talking about. Well, next remember, week. there was mm-hmm. mythologies about the Ouroboros, the snake yes. eating his tail, which a dear departed friend of mine actually thought was the representation that derived eventually into the uh, Mayans' idea of the Milky Way as being the center where the snake and the end of its tail came together. So, yes, uh, no, it absolutely was. Here. We are oh, no. out of time. Yes. Thank goodness we have clock finders and watch keepers and all that. So until next uh, tomorrow, Sunday, where I have a special treat for you with my friend Charles. Boy, are we going to show you some stuff. Same time, same bat channel. Remember, third star on the left, straight on to morning. Good night, everyone. <laughs>